live from Sacramento. Live from Sacramento. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. We are live. Happy Thursday, Deuce Mason Morgan Reagan debut week rolls on. It's a tough night for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, it was. Really tough, but they're still getting a lot of love. On the cover of Slam Magazine, Deer and Fox and Sabonis. I woke up a little happier with that. Zach Lowe, the ultimate basketball mind, oh, is giving love to the Sacramento Kings. Love that. There's a lot to go over today, plus we'll get closer to Niners and Eagles. The NFC Championship game, our buddy Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee Joins the show live. He's been covering the Kings, but the guy knows Niners. He's covered the Niners he for years. All. He hosts Candlestick Chronicles, an amazing podcast on the Niners. We're, it's almost an NFC championship. I know. Wild. It what is a, wild. It, it's it's all wild. How are you feeling this morning? About what? Life. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Getting deep to start here, huh? I yeah. Know. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hello. Oh, I love Chris. I love his Stupid laugh. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel good. I put on spa music this morning. Okay. What's spa music? Like, mm, What's that do for you? Um, I, you know, I think I just needed to say, hey, brain, don't look at a number, a stat, or any athlete's name for like five minutes. Yeah. Right? Okay. So it sets the mood for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, um, it's just been. It. I think it's a first week of of adding on something else, and it's like it, it, at first. Oh, it's overwhelming. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you thinking about no, quitting? Yeah. Right now. No. At first. At first, it sounds like yeah. You know, yeah. you could you, do it all. Like add it all in, and then once you're doing it. You forget about the physical and the the mental toll it also takes, but that also will become easier as yeah, oh, you get used to the schedule. Sure, it, it will get easier, right? <laughs> no, it totally will. And so it's just, it's, it is funny when everything just kind of hits you at once and it's like, oh, I forgot to do that or I didn't yeah. do that. And um, like you and I were calling a G League game tonight and it's like, you're the play-by-play voice. I'm the color analyst. And we, thank goodness, know and have studied yeah. up on these teams. But at the same time, it's just cramming a lot of different things into this brain of mine guess what we got more to cram we got a three-hour show monday through friday appreciate everyone joining us live if you're listening on the radio right now and you're just like i'm gonna wait what's going on at this, this radio station uh well it's live and local now from 6 a to 6 p.m you've got live and local programming no more satellite shows hey coming up in 12 minutes well, let's go over the three reasons why the afc south should be better next year. Barf. Ugh, boring. No, we are here to be live and local. This show airs 11 to 2 p.m. Pacific time, but it's not just a radio. We're, I don't even like calling us a radio show. The show's on the radio. That's great. You're listening on 1140 or 96.1-2. Awesome. You can also listen on the app, Sacktown Sports app. You can download for free in the app store. And... Join the people on YouTube. I see the people on YouTube. I see Joe in there. We can see Manny. What's up, you guys? Yeah. So over-unders in the building. Appreciate you guys being here all the time, too. Like, that gives me life. Yeah, and if you're in the chat, the biggest thing you could do is hit the thumbs up button. Make sure um, you're subscribed to this channel that we're doing shows on all the time. Uh, If we get 300 thumbs up again today, (laughs) Chris says there's a special sound. I have no idea what that means. 
I have no idea what that means. It'll but be a I, we, surprise to both of you. It'll be a surprise to us that there's some special 300 thumbs up celebration. Oh my God. Okay. I, can I be honest? I don't think we're going to get there today. But we will try our best. What is that? What is that attitude? You just, just is that was that like a Sacramento Kings like mentality of last night? Like what? What, what is that? That game last night. Now that we've had some a night to process it, do you feel better or worse about what happened at Golden One Center where the Kings had their lowest point total of the season held to just ninety five points? I felt a little better. Last night when we were talking about the game and I was like, oh, okay, you know, it was fun actually breaking down the whys and how things went so bad for them. And it's like, yeah, and that's going to happen. But waking up today with the Slam magazine cover, I'm like, really? That had to come out today Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after that loss? Like, it was just those little things that were just a little annoying to me where people around the league aren't looking at that one loss against the Raptors and going, oh, man, the Kings are falling apart. Bad timing for a Slam magazine cover. No. So it's one of those things, too. Oh, Doug's in the building. Who? Yeah, you know exactly Doug Christie? who. Doug Christie? Yeah. Christ. You want to talk about what happened so, last uh, night? <laughs> was that your scout, Doug? I think it was. Scout better, Doug Christie. Oh, I Doug love Christie Doug. was literally in the building because he's recording some commercials. Amazing. Sorry, I, I got distracted. It's Doug yeah. freaking Christie, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so anyway, though, it's... uh. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Kings are going to be fine. I hope you're all fine. Um, but there's a lot to still break down from that loss. Yeah, they lost last night 113-95. to 95, And it's a Raptors team that is under 500. But I don't look at them as like the other 500 teams that the Kings have faced or shorthanded. It's a team that I think should be better. You look at that team on paper. Like, dude, Siakam's an all-NBA level talent. OG's got tremendous talent. Van Vliet's made an all-star team before. Gary Trent Jr. has got it going. They're 22 and 27, but they played 14 games this year where they've 14 losses this year by four points or less. So they've been in a lot of close games. Right. You can just tell it's just a bad matchup for the Kings last night. And the reality is if Sabonis plays like that, you're just not going to win games. Like Sabonis just wasn't <laughs> good enough. The last two games, he hasn't been good enough, right? Last night, nine points, eight rebounds, four assists, nine Turnovers. How were they able to make life challenging for Demonis Sabonis last night? Oh well, they got in his head it completely. I mean, you saw him in his body language, just so frustrated. So many times in this game, whenever you see Sabonis get frustrated too, you can tell that it takes him out of his game. Sometimes he's good at regrouping and just uh, finding a way to stay composed. Other times. It's throughout an entire game, and you go, okay, he's not going to have his best game. He'll still put up some stats. Uh, Last night, his double-double streak ended, though, but he'll still be able to put up some numbers sometimes. But last night, just all around, was a frustrating game. He was trying to make some home run plays, and he couldn't make them. So they did a really good job of having... Getting into his head, I believe, by being physical was their point of emphasis. Yeah, and I thought the other thing, too, is, you know, it's one thing to have turnovers. They had 19 turnovers. It didn't crush them from giving up a ton of points perspective. They gave up 17 points off those turnovers. But when the Raptors have 97 shot attempts and you have 73 shot attempts, yeah, what's going to happen? The Raptors' defense was just super engaged. They're long. They're 
aggressive. That's the other thing they play with physicality. They want to force the officials to make a call. And Sabonis doesn't like getting knocked around. He likes knocking people. He doesn't love getting knocked around. It gets to him it here. Did. It, it did get to him a little bit. And then, you know, for a team that likes moving the ball so much, it's a little different when the Raptors roll out a lineup full of guys who are all seemingly 6'8 with 7'5 wingspans. They just take up a lot of space. They play the passing lanes well. You have to be precise. And I felt like as the game went on, the Kings started to force some stuff there, and then it just kept breaking down. It was a disappointing loss, and, and I think that's where I'm most disappointed. It's a home loss again. There's too many home losses. Yes, and but really quick, I want to go back to the Raptors' defense too, Deuce, because you – they're long, and they stay very physical. They did a great job last night, not only on Sabonis, but on De'Aaron Fox as well. They were up in his face. And what I appreciate about the Raptors' defense is that they go along with the personnel of the officiating. They go, okay, let's push their limit and set the tone until they're going to make certain calls. Because if we stay here with our physicality, they're not going to call fouls the entire game. So let's stay here and show that this is where we're going to be. I thought Raptors did a great job of that. Um, They took everyone's energy away with the way that they played defense, even the arena, you know? So it was just... Kings did not do a good job protecting them, their home court. Raptors just did a better job of playing like a team. Last two games, Fox and Sabonis have combined for 27 turnovers. Barf. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Lately, he just hasn't been very oozy. No, definitely not very oozy last night for uh, Sabonis. Um, <laughs> how much of a concern is this, though? When you look at the big picture, are you concerned more teams are going to try to employ this type of strategy against the Kings? I, for me, I'm not because not every team has a lineup like the Raptors with a whole bunch of versatility and length. You guys, teams, when they come back around and play the Kings, they watch film. They, they talk to people. They have scouts. They know already that when they're coming into a game, okay, this needs to be our game plan. Slow down De'Aaron Fox and um, try and piss off Sabonis, right? Like, you really want to just get into him with your physicality, take him out of his game. Just because that's your game plan doesn't mean that you are capable of executing it. Um, But there are teams like this with that sort of length that are in, in not only length, but strength and physicality that are capable of doing it i mean you're gonna see it happen more but not just because of this game against the raptors but because people know that that's a great way to try and stop the big fella and it's not always gonna work either an interesting roster move by the kings they just made a a little bit ago shout out to the people on youtube letting us know this because i i just noticed this Thanks, guys appreciate you guys being here in the live chat make sure to hit that thumbs up button subscribe Casey Akpala has been assigned to the G League. He is going to be playing with the Stockton Kings. So we'll be calling his game tonight. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to understand what that could be. Maybe it's just a thing where they're like, dude, we need to get this guy playing time. And he's not in the rotation on a regular basis here. Maybe we can try some different things with him. He can help this team, but also like just get some reps. I don't know. I was surprised you didn't see someone like KZ last night just because – the Raptors have so much length because Siakam has that type of, you know, Siakam could do so much on the floor and why not have a guy out there that is a little long and is known for playing some solid defense out there. Yeah, that was, that was strange. Let's be, stop it. Stop it. Let's be real. There's been multiple games 
in times when Mike Brown has a rotation that we're just like, we're, we're like, wait, didn't you like so-and-so? Or don't you want to put more length in with these guys? Or don't you need a prime defender when you're not getting that energy from your starting unit? And KZ started the season, which sometimes is very surprising when he's like not that first person that they go to to just shove out there and be annoying on someone, right? And so you you saw it again last night not happen, um, whether it's confusing to us or not, or whether Mike Brown just has his way, we're still going to question it at times because it is somewhat strange to me. All right, coming up next, we got to talk more about this Kings loss and look ahead to a seven game road trip. The longest road trip of the season. We do that next. Coming up on Sacktown Sports. And Mo on Sacktown Sports. Oh, it was an ugly game at Gold One Center last night. I mean, for some people, they didn't get to see the first two quarters. I guess NBC Sports had some technical issues. Yeah. Some people are upset, but then they turn on the game going, oh, I wish I didn't see this at all. I'm almost glad I was watching some random ass high school game. Yeah, there was a lot of jokes like that last yeah. night. My Roku Twitter. personally did not want me to watch that game. Re- really? Yeah. Because, you know, if it's not on there, you go onto the app. And then I plug everything in, and it says, you cannot watch this game in your area. Oof. Are well, you kidding? And I've done it before, and it's just like, it's literally just that game. Well, I was one of the people inside the building that was forced to watch the whole game last Force. night. Uh, Mike Brown, please tell me, what happened in last night's game? They just flat out kicked our ass. It's simple. Um, <laughs> their length, their athleticism, their switchability, their ball pressure... Uh, their physicality uh, sped us up, and uh, we didn't do a great job of handling that at all. Um, you know, we always talk about uh, winning the possession game, and we weren't even close. Uh, they kicked our behind on glass. They kicked our behind in, in, uh, <coughs> in the uh, turnover area. You know, it's it's hard to to beat a team when a team gets up. Uh, 24, 25 more shots than than you do. Yeah, that pretty much summed it up. They did get their asses kicked Thank last you, night. Mike Brown. And like I think you mentioned this to me last night. Like these type of games do happen in an NBA season. This is only the second time this season where the Kings have been held to under a hundred points. Yeah. So this is not like a theme. I think the frustrating aspect from this, the last time it happened, it was a road game against the Knicks where they were held under a hundred points. It's just they couldn't get in any rhythm. Last night is frustrating because it happened on the home floor. And I feel like they've had too many games at home where you go, these are games you should win. I'm sorry. You should beat the Sixers when they don't have Harden and Embiid, even if they're on your home floor. It's not to take anything away from these teams. Like, the Sixers are still talented. You should beat the Charlotte Hornets on your home floor. You should beat the Wizards on your home floor. The Wizards came in here and trucked them. So, you know, this team with... Even though they're 27 and 20 and things are really good and Kings fans should be excited, there are just reasons for concern about, okay, if you want to get to the next level, if you want to stay in the top six, some of these games can't happen. That's, I mean, it can't be a theme. Yeah, you guys, it's, it's the same thing that we've been talking about all year long. If you want to be identified as a good team, you Mm -hmm. have to do this, 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 and this. One of the things is beating the, 
teams that you're supposed to beat, right? Which they pretty much have this year, right? They pretty much have. And if you go around the NBA and you look at a team like the Boston Celtics, 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 uh, um, they've lost to the Orlando Magic three times this season, right? It's like one of the best teams and one of the worst teams. Like it happens. There's so much parity in this league. We understand, but. But what we're trying to do with the Sacramento Kings is separate them a little bit with not higher expectations, just different expectations, right? It's like this they're showing to be a different team in so many ways. They're not the best defensive team at all. And if you want to be identified as one of those good teams, you're going to have to help your defensive rating, right? And so it's these few things need to be tweaked. Can they be tweaked? Absolutely. Got a poll question on oh. the Sacktown Sports 1140 YouTube page, youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Are you worried about the Kings after last night? Oh, God. The options. Don't even look. Don't look at the I'm results. Not, I'm not. The options. Yes. The Raptors shut them down. No, it's one game. Hey, it's one game. Hey. And a little bit. A little bit. How do you feel about that? And uh, what do you think the results are? Every single time you have a different bit for every single answer. Yeah, I do. What, what, stop dodging my question. Where are you at? Are you worried about the Kings after last night, the way the Raptors won? Yes, the Raptors shut them down. Nope, it's one game or a little bit. No, it's one game. Where are you at? A little bit. Really? I know. You always ask me, and then I realize no, no, I never you're... that. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Well, 56% of the people in the who have voted on the YouTube chat say, nope, it's one game. 28% say, a little bit. 17% say, yes, the Raptors shut them down. I- I'm a little bit just because I think we've seen teams with length and size be able to push the Kings around a little bit. Am I worried like it means the season's going to fall apart now? No, I'm a, a little concerned. I think it's all things that like the front office has to see, that Mike Brown has to see, that hopefully they can get addressed. And I think they just need to come in and match a team's physicality. They have guys who can get after it. you got to be just as physical as they are with you. Is your worry or concern, as yeah. you phrase in the question, um, a little bit, because your expectations are much higher since the season started? I mean, is that where... Because for me, it's like, nope, it's one game. I'm not I'm not worried or concerned. It, these, are, these are things that we've been talking about all season long that need to be adjusted. And if they don't get adjusted by the trade deadline, and let's just even say it's not even Monty McNair's fault. Let's even say that a team just doesn't want to make a deal with the Sacramento Kings. I'm not... Well, then I'm, Monty should hold someone hostage. I And I if agree you have with to. that. If you I, have to, you... you Yes. We got to do whatever it takes to win There's in Sacramento. There's a lot of different rooms yeah. at Golden One Center that you could shove someone in and keep them there for a very long yeah. time and no one will know. But for real, though, um, don't do that. Um, I just I, I look at the season, Deuce, and I would be fine if if all these worries, all these losses and whatever happened and you try and grow in the off season and you try and make those adjustments and you try to make things right in the off season. That's why when I see you pick a little bit worried, why? I mean, they're like, did it's like they're, they're already doing better than expected. Sure. Yes. But you, the, the original question you asked me, have your expectations changed? 
and not yes. yes. Yes, they yes. have. Okay. They have because they have surpassed expectations now. Now we're over halfway through the season. You go, okay, they've been kind of in the thick of things in the playoff race right now for a minute. Your expectations are, okay, you, you have to take care of business at home. And you're right. This doesn't mean like, hey, all of a sudden you are just going to go up, up, up now. It's all up. No, I'm not unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I understand that it can be up and down because this team is flawed, right? But they, they're going to have to if they want to get to the next level. And that's what it's about. We're not just talking about, hey, can the Kings make the playoffs and the streak is over and hooray, streak is over. All right, we're good now. No, you're trying to win consistently you're trying to have sustained success and doing so is all right what moves can you make to get better let's start having greater goals and hey at least we won 35 at least we won 41 you want to raise expectations and i think people should have raised expectations for this group you could have two all-stars i agree i just here's what i will say too i think the grass isn't always greener on the other side and i think whenever we talk about all these changes that we want the kings to make yeah me too and everyone's like here um Put it in the trade calculator thing or the trade machine thing. The or, trade calculator what, what thing? What is it called? The trade machine? Yeah, the trade machine. Morgan, just so you guys know, time. we are the nerds, not Morgan. Oh. Me and all of you listening right now <laughs> that go constantly run like Fanspo or whatever trade machine you use. I don't think Morgan knows how to use a trade machine. I, I could use it. You wouldn't know the first thing around. Yeah, it. I would. You're I'll, like, we'll I, try, we'll I try just to- watched the game on value. You nerds can... Figure out trade not ideas. Not true. Not true. No, no, no. No. Because sometimes the trade ideas and that are used in the trade machine, it's like, yeah, I get it. That could work in a trade machine. It That would make yeah. zero common sense for either one of these teams to make those moves. And I think when I say the grass isn't always green on the other side, all I'm talking about yeah. is that the Kings breaking up this team. Nobody wants to do that, but everybody wants to make a change when it comes to the yeah, back yeah. of five. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Sure. I I hear you. Um, we're going to have a lot more on this. Also, the chat is popping right now. We appreciate hey. everyone in the chat on YouTube talking about this King squad. We'll talk more about it. If you want to actually pick up the phone and call us, too, you could do that. 339-1140 or 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140. It's Deuce and Mo. We're live on Sacktown Sports. We got 82 games, man. We got a lot of a lot of basketball to play. Um, can't let one game um, affect what's going on next. So uh, we'll dwell on this tonight. Um, forget about it tomorrow. Dwell on this tonight. Forget about it tomorrow. I wish we could do that. We just dwell on it last night, and then be like, hey, we're not talking about it anymore. <laughs> oh, it's on to the road trip. That loss did not happen. No, it's not how it works. Yeah, but I'm yeah I. I understand the mindset, too. I think uh, that was something else we talked about last night a little bit was how people were, hey, you know, you just got to forget about this one, move on to the next. Sure, but then when you throw in Sabone is having two games in a row with that many turnovers and um, the things that they didn't execute on their home floor before yeah. a seven-game road trip, just things that you want to keep an eye out for, you want to break down a little bit because it's frustrating. Well, Kevin Herter, how do you feel about this seven-game road trip coming up? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, you know, we took care of home here. Uh, obviously, it's a sour taste going on the road, but for the most part, the last 10 games or so, I think it's eight out of 10, you take that uh, 
10 games ago when you're looking at the schedule. So the road is tough this year. We've been pretty good on the road. Obviously, we've got to go take care of business. Morgan hates when I do this. Oh, no. But when you look at this road no! trip. No! It's a seven-game <laughs> road trip, and I know I'm here. But that's scary. We're on the road for so long. Um, you're in Minnesota for two of the games and Houston for two of the games. There are no back-to-backs on this road trip. All the teams you're facing? I'm sorry, does Minnesota scare you? I mean, they have size. They it's, do, it's and not- that's a concern. <laughs> yeah. The Gobert-Simonis matchup's a concern. I, okay, just let me get that. to my point. That, that's, a, that's an okay point. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Sabonis' numbers against Gobert have not been great over the years. That's no. fine. But you, you, you get one against Minnesota, okay, right? Okay, here we go. Then they play the Spurs. W, there's two wins. Well, you play the Pacers. They don't have Halliburton right now. Uh, that's three. You play the Pelicans? Let's just say you lose that. And then you get two against Houston. I have a at minimum of a five and two road trip. And if you go five and two, you come back to Sacramento February 10th for a matchup with the Dallas Mavericks, a potential playoff matchup. Ten games above five hundred. You guys, this is so. Tell you can tell me, call me whatever. I don't. Even oh, care. I can't wait. That to me is a lot of optimism. Um, I just, I, do, I think sometimes you are not factoring in that these human beings are on the road for seven. Games. That's not seven days. That's seven. It's a long games. time. It's a long time. So that's one thing to factor in, right? So they are just to be clear. What? Not staying in like random Airbnbs or Deuce, like we get that. They're not in a hostel. We like get all, it. Like Four seasons and they have a, a beautiful plane and all these wonderful things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like you could you could sleep yeah. on a plane the whole time. You're still not in your normal routine. Well, Again, everyone, this is what you get paid to do. This is your job. I get it. But it's going to affect certain people at certain times. It's just you are human. Um, but not only that, though, Deuce, you look at these teams, too, that have played the Sacramento Kings before. They also make adjustments sure, coming in. Sure, and, and SpaceX Dragon in the chat was saying, yeah, but the problem is it keeps keep, the Kings keep losing to bad teams. Um, we're going to go ahead and Maury Povich you and say, and that's a lie. No, that's not true. They are 18 and 6 against teams below 500. That's a really good mark. Like that's a really high mark. Yeah, and so I, it's not like they're that's an outrageous thing. What are we talking they're about? They're probably here? talking about like, but they lost to the Sixers without without sure. Joel and beating James Harden. Still a good team though. You know, like a team that's made it into the postseason, a team that has that experience, that the the will to find a way to win without those guys, you know? Um, but yeah, but that's also why we have these higher standards of the Sacramento Kings when we look at this road trip. Deuce especially has very high standards saying they should be going five and two. I'm I I think they can, right? And I think bare okay, minimum. There we go. You, bare minimum, you can. you're saying four and three. The Kings, by the way, this season on the road are eleven and nine. I said four and three to me would still be a good road trip. Okay, like where you're like, oh, that would be, be disappointing. See I think. to you, that would be disappointing. Four and three, I would say that's a good road trip for this Sacramento Kings team. That still has a lot to prove, especially on the defensive end, guys. You look at these teams with lob threats, with length. It's just not – it's not to say that they're not capable of doing it, but when you see their flaws in losses like we did last night – 
that's and again, I know that's one of those games too where they just weren't playing um their best, but it's still it's still like, oh, okay, those flaws are apparent. They're there and they're going to appear again. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Arge in the chat, I think Argy or Arge. Oh my God, they have to travel, Morgan. Hope they don't get homesick. <laughs> Screw you, Arge. And shout out to Sass, who says counting future wins and losses always sets up for big disappointments. Oh, uh, I, I hear that, and I'm not a big fan of looking so far ahead. I think it's fair to preview a seven game trip where you're facing uh, in seven. Uh, you play seven games. Yeah. You play two against Minnesota and two against Houston. It's not like you're bouncing around playing three games in four nights. It's pretty spaced out. And so I think in some regards it sets up nicely for the Kings to bounce back. I feel like we sometimes in Sacramento, and maybe it's just being a Kings fan all these years where they've had a ton of disappointment. They haven't made the playoffs in 16 years. The slightest like bit of struggles mm-hmm. it's like it's all falling apart here <laughs> it's like the stock market and the, and the stock goes down a little bit and it's like we got to sell this now we got to get off get off they were the same old kings why they give McNair a contract extension what is happening they should have done it until they figured it out it's like bro like they, they lost a game like you you figure it out and you get it got back going again i don't it, think and they, i don't, and they've shown that they can bounce back i don't think everyone is necessarily like that either. I, I think I, I think, think there is a, a big percentage that are. And, and no, and, and I think that's from PTSD. From absolutely, <laughs> it's like they're triggered by certain things that happen, certain types of losses that are like triggering. Absolutely understandable. They're triggered by certain types of losses that are triggering. What? Yeah. No, 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 no. It was, said. it was, was like, just... it was like a period, yeah, yeah. and then I, and then I did a sentence okay. after that. Um, it was, I said two different <laughs> sentences. Thank you, Deuce Mason. Um, but my whole, my whole point to that though, with the Kings and having the past that they do. Sure, we could tell everyone, like, don't feel certain ways. But then again, you're seeing everybody have these higher expectations. You are one of those people after we've seen the Sacramento Kings show what they're capable of this season. And I'm just in the boat. I feel like I'm just way more realistic than you are when it comes to... We're not going to get in this debate because... What you term be what you say is realistic. I term uh, being cowardly and kind of negative, pessimistic. I can't. I can't. Uh, Omar with the comment of the day nominee in the YouTube chat. Yeah. YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Hit the thumbs up. Let's get to 300, please. Uh, Omar says uh, their road trip flight pattern is pretty wild. They go north to Minnesota, down to Texas, up to Indy, then back to New Orleans and Texas. There you go. That that's a good that's point. That's not going to mess with you. I don't know what it is. It is the most bizarre <laughs> flight pattern we've seen in the NBA this year. They're going up. They're going down. They're going up. They're going left and right, down, back. I, that I, should be illegal. Yeah, yeah. That should I be agree. illegal. I agree. We got to tell Adam Silver this is not okay. I don't like it at all. Actually, that is a great point. Tell me why you go from Minnesota, then you go to San Antonio, then you go to Indiana, and then back down to Houston. You just. If you're the schedule, you go, oh, yeah, the Kings are, you, we want to play Houston twice. Oh, we should put the San Antonio game in there because they're in Texas. Yeah. Whoever scheduled it, whatever other games were in there for San Antonio and uh, Dallas, or not Dallas, Houston, that's where things got messed up. Those CO2 emissions, just terrible. Just terrible. Think about the environment for a second. They don't, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next. 
What a wild night it was in the NBA. We got to talk about some of that stuff in the NBA. If you want to hit us up about the Kings too, 916-339-1140, 1-800-920-1140. And the YouTube chat is popping. YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. We'll keep it going. Coming up next on Sacktown Sports. and local. It's Deuce and Mo. Watch the show now on YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140 or listen for free on the Sacktown Sports app. I think anytime you score 60 points is special, but I think this one, I just felt like, uh, you know, it came pretty simple. Uh, you know, I thought I played the game um, as it should have been played. I knew it was a, a game that we needed to win, so I came out with the mentality to attack and be aggressive. Um, you know, but it wasn't like I just came out on fire. You know, it wasn't one of those games. I just think uh, it was just different because it felt so simple. You know, I didn't feel like I just went out there and just went after it. Dude, Dame is obs- He is insane. What Watching is he? what he right. did last night, dropping 60 points on the Utah Jazz. Uh, Jason Quick, who covers the Blazers, he's done it for years for the Athletic, mm-hmm. said it was one of Dame's best performances ever. And watching, I'm like, what were you supposed to do last night? Yeah. He's hitting shots from the logo. He's making people dance. He's going up and under reverses. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful basketball, and he did it again. It didn't matter you put on him. You want to put sex on him? Good luck. Mike Conley's old ass? Good luck. It was trouble. Yeah, and seeing him dominate at that level at this time mm-hmm. of his career. I hate when people even doubt him for a second. It's 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 like I was saying in the beginning of the season of when we were talking about the Portland Trailblazers, and they're obviously not doing super amazing right now or anything, but at the same time, I was like, hey, I just can't count Dame out. And this is why, because he is such a special player. This is his fourth um, career game with 60 or more points. <laughs> That's insane. Right. And it's not like he's just, hey, hogging the ball. They're losing the game. Like, they won the game. He has such... He's just such a high IQ player. His shot selection is beautiful, and he just has so much confidence. Look how he just was talking about how it's it's simple. Yeah, I he know made... I was blasting Luca fans, yeah. Luca Kings fans about this, but I'm that way with Dame. I'm like, Ugh. the Dame really? one hurts. Yeah, he had a great workout. He should have been a king. too. He should have been a king, and he made yes. NBA history last night. He made nine threes, tied for the second most ever in a sixty point game, uh, behind his own total of 11 in January 2020. He's now the third oldest player to score 60 or more in a game. Nine for fifth, nine of 15 from three. He also had eight assists. He also just needed 29 shot attempts and 10 free throw attempts to score 60, putting him in elite company. Just two other players, Carl Malone and James Harden, have reached 60 points on fewer shot attempts, but both scored a higher percentage of their points at the foul line, taking 23 free throws apiece. So what Dame's able to do, and I know people go, well, it's because the three-point shot. Yeah, it is, because you can hit it like no one else can. I mean, of course, Steph can, but you know what I mean, compared to previous Players in the NBA, yeah, he has so much range. He can create his own shot. Hand could be interfaced. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's what makes him such a special player: is his muscle memory, his um, shot-making ability, his shot creation, uh, uh, making the shot off the dribble. It doesn't matter 
where he is on the floor or how he does it, it's a beautiful shot that is taken. He's a great teammate. I mean, his mentality, his leadership. Yeah, and I know we're talking about him after a 60-point game, and there's other games that we should be talking about Dame Lillard as well. But right now in the NBA, these are the games, especially if you're in Sacramento, are the ones that are making you actually, like, look again, especially when they're in the Western Conference. You go, okay. Can't count him out. Well, Joel in the YouTube chat was even mentioning, like, that could be the game that catapults Lillard over Fox as an NBA All-Star this year. You just never know, especially if those two guys end up being reserve candidates uh, for the NBA All-Star game. Another crazy game that happened last night, and, you know, we spent yesterday talking about rivalries in the NBA because it's NBA Rivalry Week, and I'm like, could Nets Sixers be one? And they've been chirping back and forth. Last night kind of took on a new twist, right? Of course, you got Ben Simmons playing his former team. Embiid had an and one in the third quarter and gave a little DX crotch chop to the crowd. He did it twice. He went boom, boom. So we're still doing it here too, huh? Oh, yeah. I I guess you can't get fined. Yeah, so that's good. So he did that. By the way, did not get a technical. Wait, he did? I don't think he did. What? Um, But Kevin Durant, who did not play in the game, tweeted trash celebration. And then Embiid quote tweeted it with a video of like a DX edit with all of his crotch chops with like the the old DX with the DX music in the background. Break it down. I got two words for you, Joel Embiid. Yeah. Anyway, so Durant was like, yeah, trash celebration. That's how Embiid responded. He also tweeted during the game at this rate. This game will finish by midnight, and damn, I miss talking S to Joel and Montrez. Wait, who said that? Durant. Oh, Durant. On Twitter. He was just tweeting away during last night's game. He was saying all those different things. Okay, well, the way that you're going back and forth, I thought you were saying Joel Embiid responded with this. He responded after the game with that DX montage. That's what I'm saying. So um, explain it better next time. Thank you. Or just pay attention because my brain's a little foggy um, today. I'm not awake. Was Deuce's explanation of it or was it my understanding of it? Either way, Deuce, I love it. I appreciate that type of... um, banter, conversation, whatever you want to call it on Twitter, I think it's absolutely wonderful. And you know you can expect that from KD. I would say, is this could this develop in a rivalry? I mean, it could, I guess, but here's the problem. Are any of those guys going to be there long, to- long term? It's what we talked about. Does it meet the criteria? Is Harden going to actually be in Philly long term? Is Kyrie going to stay there even though he's talking about, yeah, I'd like a contract extension there. I think that matters. Durant wasn't even playing in the game. And the other thing for a rivalry, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Okay. I do think you need a baby face versus heel. <sighs> These two teams feel like they're both heels. Like the Sixers, I'm trying to think if they're, yeah. I, I yes. like Embiid, but let's be honest. I Very think much it's heel. becoming more and more, Ooh. it's becoming more tough to enjoy his game when he's constantly falling down. I mean. I just uh, mentioned James, this and yesterday. Then, and then James Harden, every three-point attempt, he, not every, let's just say two out of three three-point attempts, Correct. he's on his butt. Yes. Trying to, and they didn't blow the whistle a couple times last night, which I loved. So it's hard to like them. And then it's hard to like Kyrie and that group. It's just. Can it be a rivalry if, if, if NBA fans are like, I don't like either team? I say, yeah. Um, and maybe just depending on what type of fan bases they're coming from. Philly, pretty ruthless fan base. 
Brooklyn, I don't know much more about. They yeah, don't know. They're yeah, like, like they're not the connection. We're, we're hipsters. Hey, this is a cool thing good, to do, right? Good. Yes. Yeah. They're it's, like we're, we're wearing our Brooklyn notorious Big shirts, even though we didn't know what Brooklyn used to be like. Good. Good. Keep going. Do you have anything else about them being nerdy and dumb and Gen Zers? You don't know anything about the Brooklyn Brawler. You can't be at a Brooklyn that's. Good. What's the Brooklyn? Oh, no. Oh, my God. So what I think I'm hearing from you, Mo, is that Philly is ruthless aggression and Brooklyn is TVPG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess that's a good that's a good way to put it. But, yeah, I still think that they could be a... Um, Rivalry? In e- some ways, yeah. Even, and- if, if, even if, as a fan, as a neutral party, you're watching that game, you're like, I don't like either one of these teams. You know, talking about it, I feel like it's forced. But at the same time where you see the rivalries, you go, oh, the Ben Simmons angle with the Sixers. Oh, Doc Rivers can't ever get over the hump. Oh, Joel Embiid on Twitter. KD likes to speak his mind on Twitter. We haven't heard from Kyrie in a while, thank goodness. But there's just all of those different, like, dramatic pieces in this that, yes, I feel like you could feel that way. Um, let's get to some comments from people on YouTube. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Joe says wrestling is literally the nerdiest thing. In a good way, right? Yeah, Bress says legendary Brooklyn Brawler reference. Colin compares uh, the Nets and Sixers to a feud in WWE, saying it's like bloodline against Judgment Day. I don't know about that. Wait, can you, Brooklyn Brawler, is that a wrestler? Yeah. Yes, Thank Morgan, you. he's a jobber, man. Fun fact, Cole oh, Cabana a- pushed to be... Brooklyn Brawler, or he pushed for someone to be the Brooklyn Brawler's nephew. No way. <laughs> Which would have been incredible. Yeah. Wait, and he's a jobber? And like, how was I supposed to know that? It, it's okay. You're, Thank it, you. It's, I'm a cash. You're not to. I'm a cash. Yeah. Come on now. And Tyler, appreciate the love too. Tyler says, Welcome back to the radio. It's more than just the radio. He says, 1140 hasn't been the same without y'all. Oh, appreciate thanks. that. Appreciate that. And he mentioned someone else, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back. Yes, we are back. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive more into the Kings. What should they do at the trade deadline? And Niners-Eagles, the NFC Championship. Championship. Oh, I can't wait. It's in Philly. What do the Niners have to do to go on the road and beat the Eagles? We talked to Chris Biederman straight ahead on Sackdown Sports. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo on Town Sports. Yeah, we are live. Debut week rolls on. Town Sports live and local from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time. You got the morning show with Dave and Jason. You got us from 11 to 2 p.m. Pacific time. I'm Deuce Mason. That's Morgan Reagan. Then you got Cal's and Rami after that. It's jam-packed. It's local. We. It's more than a radio show. We're not just a radio station, Morgan. No. This is, I mean... A stream. A, a stream. This is an audio platform. An audio platform. This is a performance. A performance. We are like carnies. Yes. We just don't travel. No. Uh, a huge week, right? Yeah. We got a lot going on with the Sacramento Kings. Of course, the Niners are in the NFC Championship game on Sunday. So let's bring in a guy 
who is so talented, he covers both at an elite level. He's doing a great job with the Sacramento Bee, covering the Sacramento Kings this year, and he's been locked into the Niners for years and years, hosting amazing podcasts with Kyle Madsen, Candlestick Chronicles. Let's welcome him, and he's the one and only Chris Biederman. What's up, Chris? Man, you guys, you guys are a vibe. I need to, I need to up my energy to, uh, to be part of this show. But no, congratulations to you guys. I'm, I'm really happy to, to be here. And, and, uh, man, it's awesome to see you guys killing it in your first week. Well, I appreciate Dude, you thanks. being here. Thanks for the love. You don't have to try to match our energy. Yeah, come you on know? now. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> We're weird. Yeah. We are very weird. Very We're weird. We're all a little weird, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, all of us. Yeah, there's just a lot going on this week, and it's interesting. Kings coming off a loss last night, but taking the step back, big picture-wise, you've been around this team a lot this year. The Kings sitting at 27-20. and 20. Where are you at with this squad? Do you think that they need to make a major move at the deadline, maybe a subtle tweak? How are you feeling about this Kings roster at this point of the season? Yeah, I, I think for me, if I were Monty McNair, I mean, now that he has a contract extension, I, I, I do think you can operate with a little bit more clarity, right? Like you can decide whether or not you want to make a move that is about the long term or the short, short term. I, for me, I'm I'm less inclined to make a huge move because I do think the Kings are going to have a really hard time maintaining their depth. Uh, if they do make a big move, because, you know, you have to give up something to get something. And and Keegan Murray is probably their biggest trade asset. And I don't know that you move on from Keegan Murray. I think it's pretty rare to find a rookie that shoots at the level that he does. Um, so even though, you know, there might be somebody out there who could maybe lift your ceiling this season, I think for the long term, given that, you know, he's on his rookie contract, he is so young, he's controllable for a while. I just don't know that you make a move to go all in now, sacrificing what could be a very controllable and very useful asset over the long haul. So I, I'm I'm more inclined to maybe, you know, if I'm running the team and very, very obviously I'm not, um, I, I'm probably doing something around the margins, maybe trying to, to get a backup center, maybe trying to get a, another power forward who you might feel comfortable playing small ball center uh, because we know the Kings love to do play with a lot of pace. So, uh, yeah, like I, I'm not I'm probably not trading Keegan Murray. I'm probably not making a, a move that really upsets the apple cart in terms of the chemistry this team already has. Mike Brown calling Harrison Barnes irreplaceable mm-hmm. this week uh, seems to stand out to me quite a bit. And if you look at it, I mean, in terms of wing depth, it's Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes and, and Trey Lyles. And really, that's kind of it. Um, you know, outside of the backcourt for them. So I, I don't know that there's a move out there that they can make that would allow them to to provide enough of, of an upgrade this year without sacrificing too much of the long-term potential for this team. So I'm probably sitting tight and maybe looking at, at maybe the margins, like I said, to add a smaller piece. No, that makes sense. And one guy you were talking about is Keegan Murray. And I've just been so impressed with him lately. It seems like he's in the best rhythm he has been in the entire season. And even last night, you know, it was an ugly loss. I feel like he stood out to me. The way he's coming off screens, the way he is attacking much more confidently. He's been better. He's still got a ways to go from a rebounding perspective. But that shot release is quick. He's not afraid to get it off if there's a guy on him or even if he has a little space. It doesn't matter. What's jumped out to you about him as of late? Yeah, the rebounding is certainly ticking upwards, uh, I think, in the right direction. Um, I, I think his his ability to, to hit shots in, in from 
you know, inside the arc has been getting a little bit better. You know, Keegan Murray was hitting like 47% before the last couple of weeks from, from two point range, which is like not a good number, right? Yeah. Like only Matthew Delvadova was worse. He's been, and Murray was, you know, the worst of, among all rotation players in terms of just percentage in the two point area. And, and Mike Brown, you know, obviously three point shooting is, is probably the most important thing for his offensive arsenal right now, but he's got to be able to finish in the lane. And, and Mike Brown talked about Keegan needing to get more aggressive and um, needing to understand that he is maybe stronger and more athletic than he gives himself credit for and just needs to go up and dunk the ball and be more aggressive. And, and so I think there has been signs of that recently. I think rebounding is part of that. It, it takes on a similar sort of mindset, like, man, you go realize that you're six nine, six ten. And you're you're a strong guy down there. Like I, I think Mike Brown is is hoping to get that out of him. And Mike Brown also said that he thinks Keegan Murray's mid range game is going to be really really good as time goes on. So um, I think you know the Kings obviously they're one of those teams that prioritizes looks at the rim and open threes uh, and and maybe less of the mid range game, which is so common among the NBA these days. But um, I do think Keegan Murray can can be that type of player for them. So. Uh, you know, it's going to take some time, but given, you know, like I said, the size, the athleticism, the shooting touch, I think he could potentially be a really good player for the Kings for a really long time. Um, but there are going to be some, there, there are going to be some growing pains like there are sure. for so many NBA players. So I think that's sort of been the story for Keegan Murray this year. And also, you know, we don't really know what's going on with his left thumb, <clears throat> but I have to imagine it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to finish in the lane when, you know, he said he can't palm the ball with his left hand because of that thumb. So he's probably not finishing with his left hand as much as he would. And, and maybe that's a reason why the two point numbers haven't been maybe what, what people would expect, but I would expect Keegan Murray to continue to, to take a steady climb as the season goes. Yeah. You're seeing him go to the room with a little bit more authority as since we first saw that thumb wrap to now, you know, we've seen some improvement, but I want to talk a little bit about, Last night, after a loss, after any loss this season, Chris, it seems like this is a fan base that gets triggered and is like, okay, (laughs) what's next? Is it falling apart? Is it over? What needs to change? Things are blowing up. You don't know what to do, right? And I think when we really look at this team squad, this team squad, this king squad, whenever <laughs> there's a loss, we go straight to that backup five. We go to that second unit and we go, how do the kings make this better? Do you have an answer for that right now? If you were to look around the league and go, okay, like we should have our eyes on this guy or this guy. Not to say that that would be the direction that that team would go in, but is there anyone that's really sticking out to you in that position around the league? I mean, maybe Mason Plumley, but even then, like I, I sort of look at the backup center thing. Like I'm, I'm not giving up a lot of, a lot of capital to get to go get a backup center. Like I certainly wouldn't give up a guy who's like a key piece of the rotation, just so you feel better about the backup center spot. Because look, if even you know if and when the Kings make the playoffs, the, their backup center is going to be playing about I don't know, six minutes a game, right? So like, how much are you going to sacrifice for a guy that's playing six minutes where? You know, you can try Chimezi Metsu, who's been good in spurts. I know he's dealing with the – he's coming off the knee injury now. Um, I would be inclined to try Trey Lyles at, at backup center and, you know, maybe go smaller, play Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, or Davion Mitchell with De'Aaron Fox. Like, there are lineups that I think haven't 
really been tried by Mike Brown that might be effective with that second unit. But in terms of like, you know, the Kings losing some of these games and, and the fan base being upset, I, I think the Kings, it's, it speaks to the fact that the Kings are winning games and they've, they've raised the standard, right? Like coming into the year, I, I don't know about you guys, but for myself, I was like, yeah, if they make the play in that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good outcome to the season. Same. If they make the playoffs, obviously that that's, that's a really good outcome. And now they're, they're the three seed more than halfway through the season. You're like, all right, well, is home court advantage on the table here? Um, I, I think that's a question that that certainly, you know, we can ask now. I think it would have felt silly asking that question in September. But given what we've seen from this team, how good they can be offensively, I think, you know, a top four seed is is not out of the realm of possibility. I would still probably bet against it, but certainly a top six seed and being out of the play in is is certainly achievable for this team. I think it comes down to just maturity and, and being able to bring that intensity game in and game out and avoid some of those, you know, dog days of the season, some of that malaise um, that this team has gone through. And as good as they've been, you know, they've been one of the best teams on the road in the Western Conference. But to lose games like last night and against Washington and Charlotte um, and Atlanta, like a lot of sub 500 teams have come to Golden One Center and won games. And and I don't know that that necessarily speaks to the roster more so than it speaks to them just maybe taking their foot off the gas, you know, not playing weak side defense as strong as they need to, not attacking the paint with the same intensity that 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 they need to and, and trying to settle for too many, you know, outside shots. Like, I just think there's they need to keep their foot on the gas with more consistency. And, and that's pretty much what they've been saying. I, I don't know, you know, that they lost last night because because they didn't have you know, that they need to go add a piece on the roster. I think you know, when you talk about adding a piece, it's about trying to be trying to compete with, you know, Denver, Memphis, you know, when everyone's playing their full their full team. Like when you talk about adding a piece, that's what you're talking about is competing with those teams, not avoiding the losses to teams you're already better than. Right. So um, I just think that there's a maturity that that the team needs to that, that the team needs to find as it continues to to gain its footing as a winning team. There's obviously they're still new to it, but um, I don't know that like, you know, losing some of these games, like I said, is, is because the roster isn't good enough. I think the roster is good enough for them to avoid these trap games. I think they just need to they just need to keep their foot on the gas a little bit more. You and Deuce are really optimistic. Oh, people. we'll see, though. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. Well, no, no, because my you just you heard Chris. Yeah. He, he was just talking about like three, four in, in the Western but Conference. He, said he wouldn't bet on that. And he yeah. wouldn't bet on it. He said closer to six. And, yeah. and that that to me is like more realistic. But my thing that I keep challenging Deuce on um, and Chris, I'm going to challenge you as well, because you talk oh, oh, about their, oh, here I come. Here I come for you, Chris. Um, they're high power offense. And you guys tell me if I'm wrong. These teams have now seen this high powered offense, not to say that everyone can stop it just because they have film on it. And, you know, you're just sometimes not going to have the right pieces. But when you have the right strategy to slow down a team that maybe has a high pace offense or slow down a team that has a passing big or wherever it may be. There's smart teams in the NBA that are going to make their adjustments to slow down this team. And I think there's smart teams in the Western Conference. And that's where some of my bigger fears come from and where I keep on putting the Kings lower and lower. My expectations go lower and lower for this squad. Does that ever worry 
you, but we, we what? We have 47 games into an NBA season. The Kings are still the number one scoring team in the league. They, last night was the second time this year they've been held under 100 points. Yeah. It doesn't happen. I mean, not every team is like the Raptors that have all these guys who are like rangy, 6'6 to 6'9, who are long with seven-foot wingspans. That was a bad matchup. And it's like bad matchup. The Kings didn't play their game. It was an ugly loss. I'm not trying to excuse it at all, but I don't like last night's loss doesn't make me hit the panic button at all. No, Chris. Yeah. So like I, I when it comes to like scouting the, the Kings offense, I, I think one thing like when the Kings offense is going really well, like they're cutting really hard, right? Like they're they're screening really well and they sort of have reactions to, you know, anything a defense is, is throwing at it. And it's less about schematics and more of like the intensity that they're playing with. Right. So I think, you know, a a big question for me is like, what's, what's it going to look like in the playoffs? Like is the game obviously slows down, right? Possessions are are more intense. Like it's, it's going to be a lot more one-on-one play probably, but they're still going to try to maintain that balance of playing with pace and playing with that same force when it comes to, you know, cutting really hard or playing, setting good screens and, um, and doing all that. So it's, you know, a lot of teams like the Warriors, the Warriors run a very similar brand of offense, right? And and it's it's less about schematics and more about just having guys who are really good offensive players, guys who are good decision makers, um, good cutters, good passers, all that stuff. And, and I think the Kings do have that and, and that can make them, I don't want to say scheme proof, yeah. but I, I think to Deuce's point, like it's going to be more about matchups where, you know, last night, as an example, like the length that the Raptors have, that's that's potentially problematic. And maybe against, you know, if they match up with whoever it is, if it's Memphis in a playoff series, given how good they are defensively, maybe that's going to be a tough matchup for them. But no, I just think the way they play offense with when they're going, they're playing so fast and they're they're, you know, they're cutting really hard and they're making crisp passes. And it's it's all about timing, right? Like even if, you know, they cut back door and somebody anticipates them cutting back door, then they can still pop out to the three point line. Right. And then have guys there who are open. So it's like, there, there are different things they can do to sort of combat what teams do defensively from a schematic standpoint that I'm, I'm confident about the Kings being able to score. What I'm less sure about is their ability to defend. And, and, you know, it's, (laughs) it's just, they, they have to defend. And, And one thing that's interesting is like, their starting lineup when when Davion Mitchell is in there for De'Aaron Fox. So when it's the four starters with Mitchell, they have a 100.7 defensive rating, which would be best in the league, right? Um, which is kind of interesting. Obviously, you're not going to bench De'Aaron Fox because he's been arguably the best clutch player in the league just in terms of scoring late in, the, late in games. But, like, that's notable to me. Like, the, the Kings who struggle so much defensively – when their second most used lineup with Davion Mitchell in place of Fox with the starters has a 107 rating defensively at this point in the season, that makes me think like there is potential here for the Kings to to be a better defensive team. But obviously, you can't play that lineup as often as you like because Fox is so important to them uh, late in games and given what he does offensively. This road trip coming up, I, I said you know seven game <laughs> trip. You, you... There's not a ton of good teams on this, right? You get San Antonio, Indiana, you get Minnesota twice, Houston twice. What are your expectations for it? I think they could win five games on this road trip. Go come back five and two. Is that crazy? 
No, I, I, I think you're right. And like, it's funny, if you look at like, if this were to be the schedule at home, like if they were to have these seven games at home, I would feel less confident about it given the way they play against under 500 teams at home, right? Like there's there's a little bit more intensity you bring when you're going into a road arena versus, oh, we're just hosting, you know, the Houston Rockets or whatever. Like we don't need to bring it. Well, the crowd will give us energy. Like they, they don't have that luxury when they go on the road. So I tend to think they're going to play better against these sub 500 teams on the road than they would at Golden One Center. So I'm with you. I think, you know, they, they should finish five and two. I mean, you know, realistically, or maybe not realistically, but they're good enough to the point where it's like, man, they could, they should rattle off like five and two, six and one on this trip. Like that, that wouldn't be crazy. And like, there aren't, you know, like San Antonio is, is tanking, right? Houston is tanking. That's, that's three games right there. Minnesota has been mostly a dumpster fire throughout the season. Like they should at least split in Minnesota. Um, So Indiana potentially tough, but you know, like I, I'm of, I'm with you. Like if they come out of this seven game trip with, with fewer than five wins, I would consider it. I would consider it a disappointment because, you know, this team is the third team, the number three team in the West right now. And they've just raised the bar throughout the season of what the expectations should be. And these are teams that they should absolutely, absolutely beat. And if they don't, we're going to look back, you know, come April, if they're not, you know, a top four seed, we're going to look at these games against teams that they should have beaten probably more so than, than the games against the elite teams in the Western conference in terms of like where the Kings records at, because they're, they're going to be, you know, there, there are a handful of games already where it's like, man, they should have won those and and those might come back to bite them. I I appreciate your guys's optimism. I truly do. But um, (laughs) I want to transition into some 49ers. Not just some 49ers. Some some 49ers. The NFC championship game. The NFC championship. Sure, sure, sure. Because, we talk about expectations, and yeah. we've seen what Brock Purdy can do with this 49ers squad. Last game, if anything, we're talking about that game being um, one of those games where we notice his rookie moments for the first time, right? What are some of your expectations for Brock Purdy and the 49ers going into this one? This is going to be the toughest test that they've had, and and I don't think it's particularly close. I think – Look, if you're defending the 49ers, I think the Cowboys did a really good job of this, right? Like you you win the line of scrimmage by your defensive tackles preventing the guards and centers from getting to the second level in the running game. And if the 49ers can't run the ball, their play action is going to be less effective and play action is a huge part of their passing game. And so Dallas did a really good job of stopping the run and in coverage, they they weren't biting on play action. There weren't the guys running open through the middle of the field, like we see so often against Kyle Shanahan offenses. So um, I would imagine that the Eagles are going to look close at, at what Dallas did defensively um, in terms of slowing down the running game and, and play action, which, which did make it a lot more difficult on Brock Purdy, but, you know, to Purdy's credit, you know, he still didn't turn the ball over. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan talks a lot about when praising Brock Purdy he said recently that, you know, that's one of his best traits is the fact that Purdy just doesn't turn the ball over. And when you're a team that, you know, prioritizes defense in the running game, that's really what you want from, a, from your quarterback. But at, at the same time, like that sort of screams, you know, game manager, right. But Brock Purdy has proven to be a little bit more than a game manager. He can, he can make plays outside the structure of the offense. And, and as much as the offense might've struggled throughout the game against Dallas, they still converted half their third downs, which is, 
which is about where you want to be, right? Like if you're converting 50% of your third downs throughout the season, you're going to be one of the best third down teams in the league. Um, so they obviously want to be better in the red zone. They were one of three in the red zone against the Cowboys. That's uh, It's going to be really tough because the Eagles defense is really good. That pass rush that the Eagles have might be the best that we've seen like in recent memory, like full stop. Like even, you know, they, they've 70 sacks, I think it was, and they had four guys in double figures. Um, you know, in, in 2019, the Niners had as good as their pass rush was. They had one guy in double figures in sacks, and that was, you know, Sacramento's Eric Armstead. Um, so it's going to be a really difficult game. I think in, if you're looking at, you know, resumes and um, looking at both these teams on paper, I think the, the matchup favors the Eagles. Yeah. They, they've been the best team in the NFC throughout the season. Um, they probably have the best offensive line in the league. You can make a case they have the best defensive line in the league. They just have a loaded roster without any real weaknesses. But I think the 49ers have a pretty substantial intangible advantage, right? This is a team that's six and two in the playoffs under Kyle Shanahan, or seven and two, seven, six, one of the two. They, they, they have a lot of playoff experience, let's put it that way. And they won road games in the playoffs last year. They went to Green Bay, obviously, and won that game. They went to Dallas and won that game. So, um, you know, this is one thing that was interesting being being at the game on Sunday was like, just the seriousness in which the, the 49ers sort of approach the game, like being in green Bay last year and talking to players after the game, there was sort of a celebratory nature to that win. Like everybody was really fired up. They just won in Lambeau. And after the Cowboys game, it was kind of like, you know, all right, we, we know we just won a great game and we're going to the NFC championship game and the third time in four years. But there was a seriousness of like, all right, we, we have to buckle down because we know this next game is probably going to be the toughest test really this group has faced since going against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I would say. Um, so just there's just an element of like this is a veteran group that's played a ton of playoff games together at this point. They've won a lot of playoff games. And I think that's what the that's the advantage the 49ers have. Like being the being a veteran group that's also sort of the underdog, I think is is a good place for this 49ers group to be. Um, but the big question is, is Brock Purdy going to turn into a pumpkin at some point, or is this going to continue? Um, I know they're very confident in Brock Purdy. The fact that he hasn't turned the ball over yet uh, in the playoffs has been a big reason why the 49ers have advanced this far. Um, but can that continue against the best pass rush in the league on the road in the cold? That's a different question. And, and I, you know, fortunately, we'll get to see. We'll have our answer on Sunday. I can't wait for that game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Chris, <laughs> seriously, thank you so much for spending some time with best. us. We'll do it again Absolutely. soon, man. We appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely, No problem at all. I'll see you guys. Uh, I'll see you guys back at Golden One Center. Absolutely. The Bye, one and Chris. only Chris Biederman. He's so great. He is great. He knows it all. He's great at it all. Kings, Niners. Just ask him anything. Ask him anything, huh? Well, coming up next, we'll talk more about the Kings. It's a big weekend, too, for the San Francisco 49ers. And you got the AFC Championship game. You got some smack talk between the Bengals and oh. the Chiefs. Oh. You didn't hear about this? Tell it's me. not Arrowhead anymore for the Chiefs. It's Burrowhead. Oh! That's what Bengals players are calling it. No, they didn't. Kind of cringe. Anyway, we got so much to get to. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Sports. It is Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Fourth day in on the new show on Sacktown Sports 1140. You listen Whoa. on the AM dial. That's cool. That's cute. That's one way to get us. 
Yes, on 96. Point one dash two, but download the free Sacktown Sports app in the App Store. You can catch up on all the shows because this station has changed a little bit. It's not just uh, a couple of shows with some tape delayed national garbage. No way! Oh, it's live wow. and local from six in the morning. Six in the morning to six at night. After Kings games, go go to like ten thirty at night. It's live and local, and we're doing it on YouTube. So if you're driving around right now, get back to your office. Throw us on YouTube.com/slash/SacktownSports um, at eleven forty, and you can check out the YouTube feed and chat with us. We got people chatting right now. Yeah, about a little bit of everything. Uh, CJ had an interesting question I wanted to bring on the air, Morgan. Please. With the Kings' success this season, they're 27-20. and 20. There's still a long way to go. We've just acknowledged that with Chris Biederman. Uh-huh. Could the Kings ever turn into more of a free agent destination where maybe some actual, like, good players be like, you know what? I want to go sign with the Kings. I'll say a couple reasons why that is a yes. Okay. Um, one, Forbes voted Sacramento the best place to live in California. I, you know, I... Where, where, I don't like that. I, I just, I also okay. like, I love Sacramento. Okay. I love Sacramento. I need more details on how the poll was conducted, who decided it, what were the measurables, because. I don't give a damn. It was just, it's on a list and it makes them look good. Is Sacramento ahead of Santa Barbara? I don't care at this moment because Sacramento has an NBA sports team and I want okay. people to be like, yeah, I want to live by trees and um, it's number one on Forbes list. And I don't want them to live here because we've had enough of these Bay Area people coming oh, here. Yeah. Making Living everything around more expensive. Us, these yes. warrior fans. You stay over there. What I say to them, you know what? Keep driving. Reno's Keep- pretty cool. Go to Reno. <laughs> Bye. Okay. There's nothing cool about Reno. Hey, be nice about No, 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 no. no. Reno is you know awesome. I lied. If it's you're everything. from the Bay Area and thinking about moving, Reno, Reno is your spot. Go there. You can do it all. But here's my thing. You really though, and seriously, you guys, about Sacramento though, I do feel like teams not teams, I feel like people in this league look at Sacramento and they go, family oriented place. So if you're one of those players that are serious about your game and what you want to accomplish in this league, it's like, settle down here. This is the place to be. And on top of that, then you have this brand new arena. You have, well, you know, newer arena. You have this newer practice facility. You now have a coach and a coaching staff that is becoming established into this organization and, and building this foundation. There's a lot of good things. And then on top of that, you have winning that is coming with it. I think that's the most important part. The like, W's. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you could become a free free agent destination or at least are they going to get like the premier talents? Kevin Durant going to go, I want to go sign with the Kings, you know, like a marquee free agent like that. Probably not. But can you attract some high end free agents? Maybe that, wouldn't normally come here now? Yes, because you are establishing something. It's like, oh, wait, they're winning games. Oh, the crowd's really into it. They play a really fun style. Mike Brown seems like a good guy. All those things you mentioned matter. It's like back in the day, the Golden State Warriors were not a free agent destination. There was a stretch, believe it or not, where they missed the playoffs 18 of 19 seasons. Awful. No one wanted to go there. What happened? You draft Steph Curry. You draft Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, you get Steve Kerr in there. All of a sudden, people are like, well, that's kind of a fun team. They're on the rise. I want to be a part of it. Before that, no one wanted to sign there. They had to overpay. It's, if you, especially in today's game, it's less about being in LA and New York. Okay, that's cute. But we make so much of the big market. 
if you're a great talent, you're going to get love. If you have a good agent, you're going to get the good love from sponsors or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. partnerships. Yeah. So that can't factor into it. I think they just I think most players just want to be in a good environment. I I'm I'm totally with you. I think sometimes that environment though for some does matter upon the city and what they want to do with their lives. I think some people are like they want that LA life. They want that big city, big market life and I completely understand that. And you talk about the Warriors, it is interesting just to mention this. I did see um Kareth with the with NBC Sports California. She was talking about the Warriors and talking about Bob Myers, like, eh, most likely he leaves, and talking about and Kerr is, Kerr's time is, like, ticking, which I just Could thought be was... crazy. It's right. And things it's, change fast, so like this if, league. If things change there, what's people's perception of the Golden State Warriors? Do yeah. they still like San Francisco, though? You know, is that where they want to be as a player? It would change. It, exactly. In either way, it's like... It's less about the city. It's more about the infrastructure with the team. I'm I'm with you on that, but yes. Appreciate everyone joining us live on the YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button. We're trying to get to 300. We're not on pace there at this point. 300 thumbs up. We're not on pace yet. But it's okay. Make sure to hit the subscribe button too. You can also call us 1-800-920-1140 like Casey. What is up, Casey? Hi, Hi Deuce and Mo. Hi. What's going on? I would just like to say that I'm a huge fan of your show. I listen to your night chats on YouTube. And then I listen to your podcast in the morning. So this is an incredible honor. Okay. It's an honor that you're calling. I don't trust Casey. Oh, why? Uh-oh. Why? It's being too nice. Uh-oh. I'm not used to this too nice thing, Casey. You're being way too nice, What's man. going on with this, Casey? What do you need? I'm just a big fan of you. Oh, and I also you. would like to say, if you don't want to live in Sacramento, just come over here to my good old town of Lincoln. We want more people. We'll take all the people we can get. <laughs> There we go. That's acceptable. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, Casey. One more thing for you. Means we get nicer things. We get. We get an. We just got a Leatherbees. We got a shiny new high school. We'll take more people. Shout out to Leatherbees in Lincoln. Give Casey a double scoop Sunday. All right, Casey. uh, How are you feeling about the Kings this year, man? Um, I've been a Kings fan since I was like 11, 12 years old. This is the most optimistic I've ever felt in my entire in my entire Kings tenure. All right. Wait, all right. how old are you, Casey? If I can ask, I am twenty two years old. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you've been a Kings fan for quite some time, and you're feeling optimistic. What's your favorite thing about the Kings right now, then? I love the Fox and the Ox. I uh-huh. I was one of those people. Like I was clowning the Kings for trading Tyrese Halliburton for Demodest Sabonis. And now you're here to apologize. I am here to apologize because Monty's, Monty's done a great job. I, I can't deny it. All right. Aww. Casey, well, uh, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Yeah. I appreciate your energy. Shout out to Lincoln. And uh, hopefully we'll chat with you again. You're the best, Deuce and Mo. Congratulations on the new show. Thanks, Casey. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dude, we, don't, we don't deserve people like Casey. Can I be honest? What? We do. Okay. What? I mean, Morgan. <laughs> we provide entertainment for free. I would, if I didn't know Deuce, I would hate Deuce. I, oh, I'm sorry that like, I, I I think we deserve, uh, we, we've, we have a fun community. That's not me trying to be fooled myself. 
It's not like we're not charging. You know what's funny? If I didn't know Deuce, I would hate him. But because I do know you, you are a really good person uh, and you really do care about this community. So that's why even when you do say things like that, I know you're joking. Um, but no, I, I really do appreciate people like Casey and this amazing community. So thanks. It's really cool. David in the chat says a thumbs up to uh, for the chat and then um, turned it down to a thumbs down for that Reno smack talk. Huh? Oh, I'm that, a big Reno fan. Hey, Reno, nine one one. Am I right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Biggest little city in the world. And, uh, and, and David, I'm just joking. I actually haven't spent much time in Reno at all. I go just, along the Truckee River. It's fantastic. I only I had I, to go to Reno a few times for the Reno Bighorns, and it was fun. Shout out Bighorns. Rest in peace. All right, coming up next. You know Zach Lowe. I do. One of the best basketball guys on the planet. Mm-hmm. He knows hoops, right? Yep. Is he going to give the Kings some love? He should. For the All-Star game. Could the Kings have not one but two All-Stars legitimately? We'll talk about it. Coming up next on Sacktown Sports. It's Deuce and Mo on your local sports leader. Sacktown Sports. Oh, yes, Deuce Mason, Morgan Reagan back on Sacktown Sports. Kings coming off a hideous loss last night to the Raptors, 113-95. But it's not all doom and gloom. The team's 27-20. and 20. They got some tweaks to make, but they're still getting some love. They're on the cover of Slam Magazine. You got some bonus on Fox on the cover. And Zach Lowe mm-hmm. over at ESPN.com put out a piece today about his Western Conference All-Stars. Let me hear it. And he has a vote, right? He does. So, okay. I mean, obviously, he, he doesn't get a vote for the reserves. But this is, you know, I feel like it's a good barometer because he pays attention to basketball. Absolutely. He's respected by executives, scouts. He's plugged in. His starters for the All-Star game. He's got Luca, mm-hmm. S-G-A. Okay. Shaquille uh, Alexander's been pretty awesome this uh, year. No, no, I know. Jokic. Okay. LeBron. Okay. And Damanis Sabonis. Wow! That's a high five. His reserves. Everybody clap your hands. There you go. Thank you, Zach Lowe. Uh, His reserves, Steph Curry, John Morant, Lowry Markinen. He has his last four. Okay. Aaron Gordon, Paul George, Dame Dalla, Dame Lillard, and De'Aaron Fox. Everybody clap your hands. So here's what he had to say about Sabonis. He says Sabonis has been the fulcrum of the Sacramento's top-ranked offense. Were it not for whatever the hell Jokic is doing to the sport, we'd all be marveling at Sabonis averaging seven and a half dimes, whizzing bounce passes to cutters, whipping the ball to shooters, working dribble handoff magic with Herder and Malik Monk, a center averaging seven and a half assists. How? Sabonis is shooting career-best 64% on twos, mashing suckers on the block. Love it. Love it. I mean, it's a simple, easy, great breakdown stuff we've been talking about. But I just, when other people are noticing this around the league, it's great. But then when there's real basketball people who are soaking up the game day in and day out and really understand where the league is at, yes, to have a big like this in the league to give this type of love to him. And when he's on the Sacramento Kings, hell yeah. Here's what he said about De'Aaron Fox, who he says would be on his all-star team. Zach Lowe writes, Fox's season has perhaps been a a tick overhyped. 
He's at 33% from deep on middling volume with underwhelming advanced stats neck and neck with Anthony Edwards. But Fox has been really good on a clear-cut number three team in the West. He's at 57% on twos. Fox keeping his assists up almost seven per 36 minutes is impressive considering how much of the offense is he ceded to Sabonis. He deserves credit for that too. He has also been the league's best crunch time score. Fox is a bonkers 44 of 73. That's 60% mm. in the last five minutes of games when the scoring margin is within five points. We may look back on that as a small sample randomness, but for now it should boost Fox's all-star chances. He says the clut- that clutch shooting has has had a material effect on Sacramento's win total. The Kings' best player is a center, and centers have a harder time creating offense off dead balls against set defenses in crunch time. Sabonis has attempted only 16 shots in the final five minutes of close games. None of the Kings' other starters is adept at generating good shots from scratch off the dribble. Fox is in. Does that surprise you that the Kings could have two? If I would have told you before the season that the Kings would have two All-Stars, would you have believed it? No, because I, I recall people... Saying, I think it was even Kyle Draper in the beginning of the season in um, some NBC Sports preview show that we were doing. He's like, one of his big predictions, like, De'Aaron Fox will be an all-star. I'm like, well, if he's an all-star, then the Kings are making the playoffs. You yeah. know, like, it was that, to me, it was that simple of math, right? And I had so much faith in De'Aaron Fox last season that he was going to take that leap in his game and then he didn't. And then it's been, it was five seasons and we had not seen it at a consistent level. We did not see his maturity reach a different point. This entire offseason, his life changed, not only off the court, but then on the court as well with the way he became dedicated and committed to this game at such a different level. And that is why he is being talked about how he is being talked about. I think he gets in this year, and I think the Kings deserve two All-Stars this year. I mean, it's not like there's other teams around the league that you could point to and go, oh, they for sure have two guys who are able to do what these two have done. And, you know, the Kings are going to have to get more from other guys on a consistent basis, I think, to really become a force in the Western Conference. Yeah. We were talking to Jason Ross before the show, and he was talking about the contender thing. He goes, well, they're number three, so they should be contenders. And I, I, they're not that. Like I'm I'm totally with you. The number I think we get so caught up in the number three seed, and that's okay. Like we should celebrate that the Kings are twenty seven and twenty, and being in the third seed sounds amazing, right? But the third seed last year won like fifty three games, right? The number one seed won sixty plus games. We could be faced as, with a situation this year in the Western Conference where there's maybe one or two teams that even get to fifty wins. Mm. So that's the perspective. The Kings are playing basketball uh, that in a normal year would be more like a six to eight seed. And that's okay too. It's not even a shot at what they're doing. It's just being realistic that this is such a unique year in the Western conference with teams bunched up. Hell, you know, the warriors, the, the Grizzlies have lost four in a row. Now that game was insane last night between Memphis and golden state went down the wire. Memphis had control of the game and Steph Curry made some big shots down the stretch before getting tossed in the game. Get out of here. Okay. Honestly. Yeah. I think, that's the type of thing that should be talked about more. Wait, what? Steph Curry is clearly more frustrated than he's ever been. He's having an amazing year, and the Warriors are, you know, they're just kind of hanging in there in the Western Conference, right? They are sitting at 24 and 24 through 48 games. They've missed some guys due to injury for sure. Steph missed some time. But, like, when Steph Curry, 
got ejected, not because he yelled at the official or because there was an issue with a missed call. Dude, Jordan Poole, second chance three. They're up to uh, about a minute to play in the game. Second chance, they kick it out to him. He launches a three with 12 seconds on the shot clock. Clank, Clankerson. And then Steph comes down the floor. On the other side. On the other side, getting back on defense. Claps his hands, takes out his mouthpiece, and throws it. And then the official goes, tweet. No, he goes like, that. He did that, Ejected. Yeah. Luckily, the Warriors end up winning that game. Jordan Poole hits a big shot late. And then when he goes through the tunnel, he sees Steph Curry. He threw his mouthpiece near Steph Curry. They did hug after. It was like a little joke. But, dude, that frustration, that's real frustration. Oh, absolutely. And I think even in that moment when Steph threw the mouthpiece, he gets ejected on the floor. You see Jordan Poole come up right away. I wouldn't be surprised if you had him mic'd up and he was like, no, he was frustrated at me. No, no, no. He was just frustrated at me. Like, he knew where Steph Curry's frustrations were coming from, right? Like, Jordan Poole might play chaotic at times, but he's still a smart player and he still understands where some of those emotions are coming from. And I think for Steph Curry, you have every right to be frustrated in those moments, you know, because he was open right at the top around the logo at that time that Jordan Poole took that three and they could have set something up or, and, or your best player, Steph Curry. Who's cooking? Who's cooking could have created, could have done something special. But what's surprising is right there at the end, too, Dante DiVincenzo, baseline out of bounds play. Uh, Warriors ran something where Jordan Poole had this nice cut to the basket, gets this two with one second left on the clock, goes the other way, and, you know, they finish out the game with a win. And I bring up the Warriors because of what happened last night, but also we're talking about them. Hanging in there at 24 and 24. They're right now in the ninth spot in the Western Conference. Ninth. Morgan, they're three and a half games out of the number three spot. So that's, that's where like, we're talking about the number three spot. Like It's like, oh, the Kings, oh, they're number three. No, they're, they're, there's teams right next to them. Yeah. The Pelicans are two games back. Like it's This is bunched up. It's going to be crazy down the stretch of the season. They're not a traditional number three seed. I said it before the season. The difference between 3 and 10 is not that extreme, and it's playing out that way right now. And it doesn't mean that it's fluky either, you no, guys. Just, it, it just it, That's, I think, what some people like to think of. Like, oh, then it's just a fluke that the Kings are there. And I understood where Jason Ross was going with the win total and everything. But at the same time, you have to look at this entire Western Conference and how things really, truly are that close, that bunched up, bunched up. The talent is everywhere. The parity is different this season. It's just... Um, it's, it's really something special, and it's good for the league. Out of the teams behind the Kings right now, who are you most concerned about? We're going to talk about that coming up because there are some really talented teams behind the Kings. But should they be scared of them? Or should we go, nah, the Kings can hang with these, with these guys. We'll talk about that coming up next. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. And Mo on Sacktown Sports. So good to be back on Sacktown Sports, live and local from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. each and every day on Sacktown. Well, not us. We're on 11 to 2. But we got live and local content from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And the best part is uh, you can take us anywhere. Of course, you're in your car driving around, maybe 
but put us up in the office. You go to the you go to the store today. Oh, you got the Sacktown Sports app. It's free. You download it. You can listen to any of the shows. Yeah, listen to interviews. Catch up on anything. You can listen live, and then you can go on youtubecom slash Sacktown Sports 1140 and watch the show live and chat with us. And then you don't ever have to be alone with your thoughts ever again. Yeah, I always am listening to something. Morgan thinks it's weird. No, also, I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's healthy. Go on. We don't break like we take breaks for sure. But when we're on a break for the radio, we we stay live on the YouTube feed to chat with the people. Yeah. So basically, you get. Just a jam-packed three hours whenever you're on the YouTube yes. stream. Make sure to join us there because chatting chatting goes all three hours long. Yeah, a lot of carny talk in the... Uh, a lot of carny talk Carney today. talk. Um, I found out I'm going to be a magician or a lion tamer. Yeah, 100% you did. Um, busy day today. <laughs> yeah. Busy day. We got a lot going on. One thing that the chat mentioned, I can't believe it's been three years since the passing of Kobe Bryant. I know. It's it's weird. I feel like a lot of people go, I remember where I was on that night. No, there are certain, that morning. That morning. Yeah. I'm sorry, that morning. I'll never forget it because we were on our way to do an NBA G League game. It was a Stockton Kings game. Mm. And I get to Stockton and I had a group chat with some friends and it was like to a TMZ link about Kobe Bryant dying. And I was like... In a helicopter crash. It looked like one of those fake... It felt like a fake story. Yeah. Like, no way it's true. And then you go online, you see like rumors of... Who else was on it? Did someone else die? It was crazy. An entire team. Yeah. And it was just like people were not reporting correctly. Yeah. And that was just, it did not feel real. And I, we, the, the Kings were actually, Stockton was playing the South Bay Lakers that day. Yeah. And it was an early game. That's, we were there. We got there. It was the morning. It was like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. They were playing like a noon game or something. Yeah. So as all these players are warming up, like getting ready for their pregame routines, they're all finding out about the death of Kobe Bryant. You have some guys who know Kobe, others who just like, you know, you're impacted because you grew up watching this guy and loving this guy and seeing it. It was it was a surreal moment. And we, I remember doing the game, and it's like, this game does not feel important right now. At all. We talked a lot about Kobe that, that day. We did. The tone yeah. was just off. I mean, for everyone, the energy for everyone. It wasn't just us on the broadcast. It was truly the guys that were playing. It was um, really difficult to get through. I think in some ways we were like, D- is everyone going to play this game? No, there was some thought of that. Because you remember the NBA did cancel some or postpone some games yeah. that day. Yeah. That was weird. That year was just weird calling games because we had that moment. Oh, God. And then we were the final game that was played, final pro basketball game played before the COVID-19 shutdown, right? Yep. Before the season got shut down. So that I'll never forget it because the Kings were playing a home game against the Pelicans. We we're all amped up about Kings-Pelicans. Yeah. We we're missing that game. We we're about to do a G League game. Sacramento gets canceled. And we're sitting there in soccer and going, are, are we playing? Like, is this safe to play this like, game right why, now? Why are we what? just getting forced to play? Like, right now, we're calling a broadcast yeah. and all these players are, like, coughing on us and everything. <laughs> Tom <laughs> Hanks has COVID. Yeah, yeah. We're like, why are we doing this game? So we did that game and, of course, everything shut down forever. We know No, the went. game didn't go on. Our game, Our did. game did. Oh, oh we the G League. Oh, yeah, 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 we were gotcha. literally the last yes. NBA affiliated game. NBA affiliated. Be- well, pro I mean, game. Last it was pro a game. pro game, yeah, yeah. whatever you want to say, you know, um, before the shutdown. And like we had to play through it all the way until 930. I kind of like to think that someone in the NBA office just like had a random TV and said like, oh, Oh no! Yeah. That wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, we forgot still about playing? that. Wait, we've been dealing with the Sacramento New Orleans game. We forgot that there's a Stockton game. 
Hey, if you're in the YouTube chat, make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribed as well. Uh, hitting the thumbs up, all that does is just help the channel grow. So more and more people see it. And so, like, the bosses go, oh, this was actually a good idea. Let's keep this live and local content rolling through. Ayo. So let's keep that moving. Let's keep that number climbing up. Let's get it to at least 200 tonight. Today. Um, tonight. Morgan King's coming off a disappointing loss. And sometimes after a loss, you start going, Oh, this is not good. Everything's bad. Blah, blah, blah. You take a step back. The Kings are getting ready for a seven-game road trip. That starts Saturday against the Minnesota T-Wolves. But I'm just looking at the standings, and we're, we're so caught up in the number the three seed and what that means. But we know it's all bunched up. Uh, the difference between three and ten is four games. Utah Jazz just four games behind Sacramento in the tenth spot. So it is fragile. It's competitive. There's so much parity in the league. I'm curious looking at the standings of teams behind Sacramento who you're most concerned with. Of course, ahead of Sacramento, you've got Denver and Memphis. We'll go team by team right now. Okay. The Pelicans just got Ingram back last night. He was really rough in that first game back. Uh, they're behind Sacramento. I feel like I am. if the Pelicans are healthy, I for sure am concerned about them because they've got a lot of the things that Sacramento struggles with. They've got length. they got defenders. They're switchable. They're tough. Experience. And, Zion. and yeah, I mean, in Zion alone, you got the freak in Zion. You got C.J. McCollum, who is obviously a vet, someone who understands how to play um, at that high level in a postseason. And they've. Also, I think we talked about this a little bit. They're a team that has that will to win, right? We've we've seen them rally behind one another to find a way to tough it out, to really discover their identity last season. So um, they scare me, especially if Zion is back when he gets back. That one absolutely agree. That's a team I like. I do, I want to avoid, mm-hmm. especially early in the playoffs. I'm with you uh, behind the Pelicans, the Clippers. Where are you at with this Clippers squad? Because I am of the mindset like everyone wants to proclaim they're the best. Before the season, oh, the favorites to win the title. If they all stay healthy, they have not proven it yet. No. They don't play enough games together. I I will be late to this when it happens because I am with them 100% behind the I will believe it when I see it. Can Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play like eight, 10 games in a row together? Can they just play games I think they need to build that. They can't be – they've just been mishmashing that lineup, and Ty Lue's a great coach, but to be a contender? So they've won their last three, and in that last win, Kawhi Leonard ended up with 25 points and um, nine rebounds. Paul George, 27 points, nine rebounds. So, you know, your two, your two star players right there, uh, that's the production you want to see. And they've started to string that together more and more. Now – what I will say, though, it's still one of those situations where we're like, if healthy, when healthy. And we've seen Kawhi Leonard not play a season before and then kind of come up, pick it up at the end, and it didn't really work, right? Right now, you're seeing it be more on a consistent level at this moment. And is this going to be the direction the Clippers go in for the rest of this season now? Possibly. And if that is the case, you have a great coach in Ty Lue. You have two star players in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And Kawhi Leonard, my goodness, like, you shouldn't be getting hurt anymore. I mean, you haven't had to play that many games this season to be, like, load management or whatever it may be. And so maybe they find their chemistry a little bit more on the floor together now. Uh, Another team behind uh, the Clippers that's in the mix in the NBA's Western Conference. 
Uh, the Suns are kind of in there, too. Mm-hmm. Were they the next team they had? Uh, no, it was Dallas. Yes. Uh, sorry, look at me just skipping over Dallas. Dallas is weird. <laughs> you know, like, we know what Luka can do, but beyond that, I, I feel like the, J- the loss of Jalen Brunson, letting him just Oof. walk and go to New York was such a massive loss. It was and a huge loss. I, just, I don't, like, if... I'm not I'm not scared of the Dallas Mavericks. And I know Luka's put up some incredible postseason numbers too, but I actually don't worry too much about them. So Luka in their last game against the Wizards that they lost 127 to 126, finished with 41 points, okay? Um, 15 rebounds as well, which is great to see when he puts another stat line up there because that's sometimes what worries me is how much he is so ball dominant. And it creates this very strange style of basketball in Dallas when um, you're just like, all right, Luca, take over, do what you need to do. It doesn't seem like a sustainable style of play for a team to win. And at least when you had Jalen Brunson, it's like you can depend on another guy. Um, it's hard to count out Luka Doncic, but at the same time, you look at this sport and how it's played in the postseason, teams win. Not an individual. Teams truly win in the postseason, and that's where I just don't believe in them. Sean in the chest is two bad weeks, and the Kings can drop eight seeds. A lot of teams have been ahead of the Kings multiple points during the season, whether injuries like Booker or Zion. Even as a three seed, this isn't a normal year where the six seed is at the actual strength of a six seed. Yeah, it is a biz- it's a bizarre year for sure. And I think it's more fun. I mean, it has to be more entertaining to be an NBA fan right now. I mean, obviously, if you're a Suns fan, you're going, God, we, we're like hanging tough right now. Booker's been out. CP3 looks like he's like 57, not 37 or yeah. whatever. But I think it makes from like a casual perspective, if you're just tuning into the NBA every night, these games are super competitive. Yeah. I, I mean, they absolutely... They, they absolutely are. I, how many times have we dropped the word parody when talking about the NBA? And um, it's been fun to see some of the, these other teams step up. Fringe teams. Not just, you know, not just fluke teams being like getting those wins and you're like, yeah. But even when Orlando does beat a team like the Boston Celtics, you see some of their potential as a young team and what they can build on top of as this long, fun, young team that plays together. Um, But for a lot of these teams in the Western Conference, I don't know what to believe when I look at both conferences together. I think there's so many better teams in the Eastern Conference, obviously, this season. Like, stronger. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I feel like the favorite right now to win it all is in the East. Like, it's the Boston Celtics, and I feel like they're mm. clearly better than the rest of the league. Yeah. Like, people want to make a case for Denver. I mean, it's very possible. I like some of the moves they made. Yeah. I mean, I look like at the Nets and Sixers last night, right? And what team do you trust more to make a championship run there? I don't trust the Sixers. I don't trust James Harden because he can just absolutely disappear in the playoffs. Hell, he gave up at one per, at one point last year late Ooh. in the playoffs. I, the Nets, if KD is healthy, there's a lot more. There's a lot of ifs there with them. Mm-hmm. But KD being right, Kyrie's playing a really high level right now. Nick Claxton had a monster game against yes. Embiid yesterday. 
They could be a fun team. Absolutely. You know, Wananabe's been big for them yeah. in a bench role. Yeah. No, and I think I think so many people want to criticize and look at Ben Simmons' play with that team. And it's like, but wow. you have a guy out there who can't shoot a jump shot. Sure, but you sure as hell have a lot of other pieces, right? Sure, he's got to give them more, though. I mean, he, Mr. He Triple abso- Single, come he on. absolutely do- No, I'm with you, but at least, like, here, here's my issue with it. I think with Ben Simmons because of what he was as he came into this league, it was like, okay, he's the next this or he's the next this. And then he showed why he was going to be a really good player in this league. And he was a really good player in this league in a lot of ways, but still had his downfall. (laughs) But now we've seen his game take a complete turn, especially mentally. And he can't shoot the ball. He can't shoot the ball. With he, doesn't shoot. he doesn't want to shoot. He doesn't want to shoot the ball. He doesn't look to shoot at all. And my thing with this now, I think so many people want to go, he's a bum. I still think there's a role for this guy. This guy can be a fantastic playmaker and he can be a fantastic defender. Now, is he a liability out there when you need a score? Yeah. But at the same time, you have that on other teams around the league, but you're just not paying them as much as you're paying Ben Simmons. What was your biggest issue with last night's Kings loss? Oh, we got to talk about that please. on the other side. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Ugh. Oh, what an ugly night at Gold One Center last yeah. night. Raptors come in. And punk the Kings 113 to 95. I'm Deuce Mason. That is Morgan Reagan. Yeah, this is weird. We're back on Sacktown Sports. It's been like seven years since we've done a show here, but we are live Monday through Friday from 11 to 2 p.m. Pacific time. Tell your friends so they know what's up. You can also hit us up on YouTube. We are live during breaks. We're live now. We're chatting with people there in the chat. Find our way with questions, comments. Making us laugh. Yeah. YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Morgan, last night was really rough. Sabonis struggled. The last two games, 17 turnovers for him. He had nine turnovers last night. Nine points, eight rebounds, four assists, nine turnovers. His double-double streak came to an end. And I just feel like with Sabonis, there's, and we've seen it this year, Mm -hmm. where if he's not finishing inside and he misses a couple of shots, he thinks he got fouled, maybe falls to the ground. He gets frustrated, and I think it impacts the rest of his game. And then the other side, I, you got to give the Raptors credit. And I know everyone looks at the record so much with teams. This Raptors team has length. They can guard. They could switch on you. They play the passing lanes well. They busted out a matchup zone at one point on the Kings. They got after it, and they made life really challenging. W- what went wrong for Sacramento last night? Well, Raptors set a tone that physically and, I guess, intensely – that the Sacramento Kings did not meet on any level. And at times you can make up for that with your high-powered offense. You're still scoring. We've seen them have so many turnovers in a game and still pull out a win, right? Because they do so many other things well. They weren't doing anything well. I got to give a lot of love to the Raptors and the way that they slowed down the Kings in many ways. But um, you talked about this earlier in the show, the field goal attempts for the Kings, 73, mm, for the Raptors, mm, 97. Mm, mm. So, so many less uh, possessions, looks at the rim. And then second chance points. This is where it kills everybody. 
Raptors 18, Kings 2. You just look at some of those quick numbers right there, and those are just so killer, not because of the points they put on the board, because it's a deflating possession. When you try all that you can, you're locked in all that you can, but then you can't finish out the defensive possession. I don't even think it was like they were as locked in as they could be. It was more like they just didn't seem prepared last night. Kings. So what is that then? Um, I, you know, I mentioned this to you last night, and I think this. Is, I hate this. Right, I hate right. It. There's no way this is it. So again, I, you guys, when I don't know the answer, I search. Okay, so okay, my fine. search uh, before yeah. we jump you before the entire chat and I just, you know, we're, we're like the the shield back in the yeah, day. What, what's happening? You want to go? Yeah, yeah. Explain what you, one of your theories it could be. And when I say it could be, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just looking for something. Um, I would say that it's the last game before a seven-game road trip, right? And maybe they were already looking ahead, looking at what how they need to prepare um, when they're taking on Minnesota or how they need to prepare for the road trip. And they're have, looking ahead. They're already thinking about the seven-game road trip. Maybe, yeah. maybe. And maybe that last game on your home floor, you thought, okay, yeah, it's the Raptors. Like, look at their record. We, we have a game plan. We know how to beat them. But there's going to be teams like the Raptors that step up their game when they're coming in to play the Sacramento Kings now. And their adjustments are going to be different. These are This is a smart team, a team that has, yes, had many flaws and many challenges this season, but at the same time has experienced winning at such a high level with Nick Nurse and a few of those players as well. So I think the Kings just kind of overlooked this one, and it never really felt locked in. Never. They got punched, and then it was, like, over. They, if, they cut it to 12 at one point, but some mistakes down the stretch. Fred Van Vliet, by the way, after the game, talking about the Kings, said, they're one of the top teams in the league this year and have been playing really well, so we were pretty up for this one. See, that... Before the season, Draymond's joking about... Him and LeBron are joking about not being able to get up for Sacramento. Yeah. It's not like it was playing Sacramento. Then you got Fred Van Vliet saying, yeah, we were up for this game. Yeah, and it makes sense because, like, I'm sure even the the beam is annoying to so many other teams. Like, <laughs> I don't want them to light that. Or, you know, you had Laurie Markkinen talk about the beam. Like, we just want to make sure that beam doesn't get lit or whatever he said. And it's it's yeah. it's funny, but at the same time, like, they don't want them to vibe off that. And that's why the Raptors came in like they did. But, Deuce, you look at Sabonis' nine turnovers, too. I think Mike Brown talked a little bit about it. He was uh, saying everyone was trying to go for that home run pass. Like, he's got to do a better job of making that hockey pass, hockey assist, right? And just being that guy that gets the offense created but doesn't have to go for the home run and get it in there for the the easy two because it's not easy. These guys were so much longer to deal with last night. You mentioned Mike Brown. Hey, Mike, what's up with Sabonis' turnovers, man? Uh, you know, you hope it's one of those stretches, but the reality of it is you know, they, they've gotten up in him and they've pressured him, and when he puts it on the floor, they're shrinking. And so and what he has to do, and we talked about it in there, what he has to do, he just got to make the simple pass. He may have to get the uh, – this is funny because it's Toronto, I guess, and it's hockey, but he may have to get the hockey assist instead of the assist um, because of the pressure that he's facing, because of the defense's ability, the defense shrinking the floor and making it tough on him. Uh, and then, you know, in the post tonight, they did a great job of mixing up some double teams and not mixing up some double teams. 
which uh, caused not only confusion for him, from him, but confusion from uh, the rest of our guys tonight too. But uh, it's more so just making all of us, it's more so just making a simple pass, not getting too deep uh, and allowing them to use their length and athleticism to get deflections. Well, Sabonis is a smart player, and I'm sure he's going to look back and see the things that he did wrong. And, you know, even when you throw the ball to the other team, sometimes it's not your fault. I know, and I love him more last night. Yeah. But I also think it wasn't just him struggling with the length. It was the other Kings players struggling to move going, wait, where do we go? These guys take up so much more space. They're long. They're into us. They're playing physical. That messed with the Kings, too. I'm so glad you brought that up because Chris Biederman talked a little bit about it when I was like, hey, what, you know, how well can this Kings offense, like, keep pushing forward past some of these teams that do make adjustments like that, right? To get this Kings offense a little bit out of it. What the Kings didn't do last night that Chris was talking about that they usually do do consistently on a good level is really attention to detail on every single cut, right? Um, the way that you come off a screen, your timing is down differently. You're understanding the way that you're sliding off your teammate's shoulder, um, the way that you're coming off of a flare screen. I mean, whatever it is, it just, everything was off last night, not just because maybe of their focus, but also because uh, the Raptors did a good job of nudging them while they would be coming through the paint or pushing them out of the place that they wanted to be. And more teams are going to do that, but when they do, like Chris was saying, they just got to really play their game and execute it at a very high level. There are still some bright spots, too. Yes. And I, I think Keegan Murray has been a major bright spot. We'll talk about that. we got a lot more to go. We're on until 2 p.m. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. and local. It's Deuce and Mo. Watch the show now on YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Or listen for free on the Sacktown Sports app. Yeah, Deuce Mason Morgan, Reagan up until 2 p.m. Pacific time. Then it's Cattles and Rami taking you to until 6 p.m. on Sacktown Sports. Morgan, I know the Kings lost last night, and I know a lot of times in life, and at least in sports discourse, it's like, hey, you lose a game. There's nothing good that comes from the game. The one thing that I'm loving right now and I'm more fired up than ever about is Keegan Murray. I'm seeing him do some different things right now, and it's a lot of fun to watch. The shooting has been outrageous in this month of January. He's been red hot, knocked down some big threes last night to just keep the game competitive but it's how he's doing it. It used to be, oh, just kind of catch and shoot. Dude, he's doing some amazing things off the, off the ball. More dribble handoffs with Sabonis. Mm-hmm. More moving. Even when the guy's coming out and contesting it, he's not afraid to launch that shot. And one of my favorite plays last night. Say it. Off the dribble. Taking it strong with the left. There's a lot of times he's getting his stuff blocked early on, right? Yeah. He's taking it soft. Or maybe he's just kind of avoiding going for a, a, a jam. Yeah. Last night, he took it strong finished with the left, and he did a great job adjusting to the size of the Raptors. Siakam came over to try to block it. A little hang time action, finished with the left hand. It was beautiful. Rookie season, and you're seeing this guy grow game by game by game. You saw 
um, obviously, when he had that little bit of downtime early on in this season. And look at his response from that. We never got clarity on what was going on with his thumb. It looked like it was wrapped a lot like uh, Domas Sabonis' thumb as well. So, and then he talked about it healing. And as he kept talking about it healing, you notice his game and his shot getting better and better. And I think you're right. Everything that he's doing on the offensive end keeps improving, especially his shot. But I think it's the way that he's going to the rim with authority, right? He's taking that contact and he's understanding that he can't just float it up there or have it go high off the glass. No, Rook, you a big old guy. You go into somebody, you get the end one, and he's starting to do that more. As a rookie, I think early on he was just trying to fit in. Oh, I'm just, I'll take my shot when it comes to yes. me. And now it's like, no, no, go do something. He had four dimes last night, too. He's setting up his teammates. to rebounding. Not great again last night, and I think that's going to be up and down a bit for him. But I'm seeing more signs as Scotty in the chat says he's getting physical. He got called out by Mike Brown about, hey, you got to play with an edge. You're 6'8". Go get a rebound. And we've seen more more games now where he's rebounding the ball much better. I just feel like his ceiling is a lot higher than we think. You know, he's kind of a quiet guy. He doesn't want to take over. But you're starting to see things the last stretch of games, especially this month, where there's been tremendous growth out of his game. Yeah, and I, I think if – here's – Stop right there. We have to have this perspective here in Sacramento. How many years have we talked about, wow, young players just can't develop here. Wow, rookies just aren't in the right environment here. It is not only so wonderful to see that Keegan is here while this team is finally building a foundation and the right culture to fit around any NBA team, but... His style of play, his size, his NBA-ready body, like all of it is just such a positive thing to look at. And then on top of that, you got a high IQ rookie that is willing and wanting to eat, breathe, sleep, basketball. So he wants to get better with every single thing that he is told. He soaks in that knowledge, takes it with him to actually try and improve on it. And I think all those things we cannot overlook when we talk about how he's doing on the floor as yeah, well. Being coachable. Yes. Understanding that yeah, yeah you may, may be the number four pick, but yeah. you got some stuff to work on. And I think it does help that he's on a good team because I think Mike Brown's talked about this. Like if he's not doing something right, Mike Brown is going to put him on the bench at times. Yeah. And we've seen it this year. <laughs> It's not happening as often. No. The, the mistakes are fewer. He's still going to make these rookie mistakes. He's still going to be time. I thought defensively a couple times yesterday, Siakam, who doesn't look like the biggest guy ever, hit him in the chest with the shoulder Good. a little bit. Oh, yeah. Playing a little physical. Wow. He's got to be able to take contact a little better defensively. Yeah. Be in better position. I think sometimes he closes out too hard on three-point shooters, but the mistakes aren't as glaring as they were like a month and a half ago. Yeah, I I think that is something that is so noticeable, and I think that goes to him being so coachable. Um, I think the way that this team takes so much pride in their verticality, you just see the way that it's contagious even for a rookie and the way that he keeps his arms straight up and actually utilizes his size out there by doing that and doing the right thing has been such a fun adjustment to see in his defensive game. I think you're going to see him get better and better with the way that he can move from side to side laterally, uh, get deflections, hands in the passing lane, because 
Mike Brown holds them accountable. They are expected of it. And he's the type of player that just wants to make everybody happy and go to work and go back home, play some video games, go to bed. Another interesting thing is we've talked about Kevin Herter possibly going to the three-point contest. Yeah. Keegan might be the best three-point shooter on the team. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Keegan, what do you have to say about that? I'm, I, I, you don't bring. You Keegan, do have to get in the mood. Keegan does not show up after losses. We do not do the Keegan oh, impersonation sorry. after losses. I sorry. didn't realize mood's Keegan not was right a, for God. that. Oh my God! I mean, I think. Yeah, I think you could make a case, dude. His three point shooting this month has been absurd, and it's not like oh he's taking eight hundred of them. No, he's been just really efficient with them. Yeah, and when you're in the top three and three point makes in a month as a rookie, and you're not taking a ton of them. That's outstanding. His shot selection is dead on, right? And obviously when you you have a big like Sabonis who commands so much attention or De'Aaron who collapses an entire team defense into the paint, sure, you're going to get a better look. Like that's the whole point of some good team basketball. But at the same time, Keegan's smart enough too to make the extra pass, to make sure like if this corner three is going to be contested or isn't the right shot for this team – I'll keep moving it around. And the fact that you can trust him to do that, too, at this level in his first year, I, we we can – we he can stay here forever, right? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would hope he'd he- be here because I think his ceiling is high. His last 10 games, yeah. 15 and a half points, uh-huh. uh, just under six rebounds, one and a half assists on 56% shooting from the field – and 53% from three. On the season, he is shooting 42.5% from three. To Chris's point, like, the guy is a great shooter. He's a rookie. It's a pretty shot. Oh, it's I a mean, gorgeous that's, shot. That's the thing. It, everything, that that's the other thing, you guys. Let's just talk about how perfect he is. Okay. Okay? Are, 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 is this because the slobber were, over Keegan segment yeah, now? Yeah, it's 136. Let's slobber over him. Yeah, of course. And he's so smooth. When he's out there, but when you do see him become aggressive in those moments, you go, oh, you got that dog in you. Like, it's it's there. It's there. It just has to come out. So and he's it, just a dog that doesn't bark, though. Oh, he's like he's like uh, a CCI dog, right? Just like really, really super good. Super like, trained. Does not make the mistakes. Will do what he's told. Super disciplined. But you mess <laughs> with my teammates. You mess with my, you know, my people. I'm going after you. You like that? Uh, yeah. I, Cute I little love golden retriever. Jesus says teams around the league are salivating over Keegan thinking McNair will trade him. Blake no. says Keegan is elite from three. That's the foundation for high level of success. He's already clear, cleaning up the rest of the, his game in year one. Dude, that's the other thing. I know Monty McNair probably is not taking victory laps, especially because he's trying to get this team in the playoffs. We talk about the Sabonis trade he got crap for. Dude, a lot of people slam McNair when they did not draft Jaden Ivey. It's like, what are they doing? And I, Jaden Ivey is going to be more of a project. It's going to take him some time to be a good NBA player. I still think he'd be a good NBA player. But again, people acted as if like Keegan Murray was just some like random dude who did not have a monster year at college mm-hmm. last year. I know he wasn't some highly sought after guy. He wasn't all over the highlights. Hey, Ivy had some amazing highlight-level plays that were eye-popping at times, and people were comparing him to John Morant and all that stuff. 
But people slept on Keegan, and they slammed the Kings for not taking Jaden Ivey. Wasn't about winning the headlines for Monty McNair, Dude, that's like what he the said. Mo- that's the ultimate respect. Don't win the headlines. I don't care. I don't care if... ESPN's going to give you an A because you draft Jay and Ivy yeah. and they give you a C minus. I care about four years from now when they grade it, do a little redraft and go, yeah, actually, that was a steal of the draft. I can't believe he went four. He should have gone higher. There's some really talented rookies in this draft class. So you got Bancaro, mm. mentioned Ivy. You know, I like Matherin. Matherin is nice. Oh, Matherin is so fun to watch. Talk about a dog. Oof. He's been a dog. That's why I liked him at the pre-draft. I know. That was my guy. Well, no one expected him to have the offensive skills that he's been able to have in his first season either, right? Like, everyone was expecting him defensively to get up and guys to be that energy guy, to be intense. But what he's been able to produce on the offensive end for the Pacers as well has just been fantastic. So, look, the Kings lost, and we still have something nice to say. It wasn't all bad. It was really nice of us. Just the first two hours. Yeah, just the first two you got to have some perspective. Yeah. Kevin Herter also had a pretty good game last Kevin night. Kevin Herter's been bouncing back. Yeah. He had a nice game. Perspective. I like that. Yeah. But now. I'm not having perspective if they lose two games in a row to Minnesota, though. Which is pretty wild because I feel like Chris Biederman, when we had him on, had the same perspective as you with that. And it it, it is shocking to me sometimes when people still have these very high expectations for this team who hasn't done it for a really long time, for only a half a season, and we're going to see a seven-game road trip and have the expectations of coming home at five and two? I don't know, man. That's just like, you guys are real optimistic. You know what? I heard Monty McNair on with the morning show this week, Yeah, and he was saying that even when the team's up by like 20 or 30, he's not comfortable. His wife's like, wait, you don't feel good about it? And he's like, no, we're not, we got to win. You're like Monty with that. Like, you yeah. don't... you. It's like you're not going to ever believe they're good until like it says, hey, they're good. They made the playoffs. And it's like, no, it's okay to project a little bit, you coward. No. Okay. Well, okay. One, rude. Um, Two, it's it's not about it's not about making a prediction and being fearful of making a prediction. It's more about I don't in my opinion, I think I'm just being realistic when I look at how team dynamics work and how team development works. And I think this, how it worked so quickly this season has exceeded my expectations in every way, shape and form. But at the same time, like you got to come back down to earth a little bit and realize, Hey, it might not be able to stay this consistent all season long for the first time in 16 years. All right. Coming up next. uh, Wait, do we break here? I don't even know what time it is. (laughs) I'm not used to this break schedule. Yeah, we're supposed to break. Yeah, we are supposed to break. We keep it live on the YouTube feed, (laughs) youtube.com slash Sackdown Sports 1140. Coming up, we'll catch up with Rami. We got closing time. It's all straight ahead. Deuce and Mo on Sackdown Sports. It's Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo on Sackdown Sports. Yes, it is. And coming up in about 15 minutes, Cattles and Rami take you 2 to 6 p.m. here on Sacktown Sports. I'm Deuce Mason. That's Morgan Reagan. And Rami's in the building. What's up, man? Not much. Afternoon. How are we? 
So good. So good. <laughs> we were talking about this during the break, how like he asked us how we're doing. We're so good. And he's like, that sounds kind of fake. And it's like, kind of was. It was just I we're said, trying to tell ourselves. I said we're good. anytime somebody answers that yeah. emphatically, when you're like, how you doing? We're like, things are so good. I'm like, mm, no, they're not. Who hurt you? No. What? Yeah, what? yeah. You're what's like, wrong? Do you're you need lying to talk? Yeah. To my face. Things aren't that good. Come you, on. You know, and we were just saying the the king's ugly loss, it's like when we have like a longer day because we have to call Stockton Kings game tonight, great, fun. But now we're realizing with everything, it's like, oh, yeah. we run off the adrenaline of like good news. Monty signing the contract, yep. the Kings winning Monday. But now after Kings lost. It was like a hard crash. Yeah. It was a hard crash. Yesterday's Thank loss you. and today are like the hangover after yes. the win over Memphis and the signing of Monty. It is a hard crash today. I'm glad he's feeling that. So did last night change anything for you or you're just going, you know, it's a little concerning? Um, or no, I don't think it changed a whole lot for yeah. me. I mean- we didn't see anything in that loss that we haven't seen in Kings losses before. I brought this up with you yesterday. You can look at a box score after a Kings loss, and there's a few things that almost every time are going to pop out. And it's rebounds, it's points in the paint, it's Ugh. points off of turnovers. Those the, and 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 lately they're bench scoring. And last night they got absolutely smoked in, in bench scoring. And so those are the things that and I think Monty McNair now with the new contract extension maybe a little bit more. A little bit more leverage in in discussions. Those are the things that I think they got to try and address between now and and the trade deadline is adding a little bit of depth and some depth that can do some some work in the paint. And yeah. I think for last night, what was so frustrating to me is just uh, another game like that at home. You know, yeah. it's just these home losses. You're just like the crowd uh, is there. They're in it. You want to protect. They home wanted court. to be in it too, but it was dead last night. I mean. You go the Memphis game, they dropped 47 points in the first quarter, and then they had 50 points in the first half. Mm. The crowd's like, what, what is this? What it, this is, <laughs> this we're is not, not used to this. This is what we came here for. Right, okay. exactly. Rami, and I, I said, because even Deuce was like, well, what do you think was different about last night? I was like, I don't know. So I'm reaching. I'm stretching here, right? Sure. But I was like, could it be like, hey, we're about to hit up a seven-game road trip, last last game at home before our seven-game road trip. We're thinking about other things. We feel like we can beat the Raptors. Let's go. Could that have been a mindset? And if it was, bad. Sort of a trap game along with a long road trip coming up, yeah. so maybe their head wasn't where it needed to be. I could see that. I mean, we we got to remember. I, gotta, I remind myself this sometimes. I feel like I got to remind other people even more often these are these are humans and like so, some of these some of these things that you're talking about are habits and tendencies that anybody can fall into i know if i got a trip coming up the next day like i i try to have my all my focus on work but i'm also like all right, am I packed? You know, yeah. Yeah, have yeah. I have I tied things up with the dog sitter? You know what I mean? Like, so, oh, you're going through that checklist, like, and I don't even have kids. You know what I mean? If we listen to a show where Rami's a little off with cattles, then we'll know he has a vacation oh, plan yeah. for the oh, next yeah, yeah, yeah. day. Sure. Yeah. I'm checked out. Yeah. Totally checked out. Absolutely, 100%. And by the way, you, you, I mean, your dog's a kid to me. Yeah. Uh, as a dog, fellow dog dad, I feel like it's my kid. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And I, thank you. I try not to go there because that really gets... I don't know if you. I didn't know if you guys. You're not both not parents, right? Oh, no, not no, parents. No, kids. no, no, God, no. no never. Dear God, who would have kids? I think it's, people it's are so, so weird for having kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, but dogs. Dogs great, but dogs are also still so much responsibility, and that's yeah. why I don't care when people say like, 
um, oh, no, dogs and kids aren't the same because now I've had some friends who have had both b- both, and yeah. they're like, oh, my puppy was harder than the baby right away because the baby at least just like stayed there, right? Yeah, and yeah. so it is funny hearing the difference. Well, they say that like an intelligent dog has like the intelligence of a three-year-old. See? So if you have a dumb dog, they're not even a th- like at least a kid. They mature. You know yeah. what I mean? Five, six, they can go get the snacks themselves. You always got to get the snack for the dog, right? At like hopefully four, three, four, they're going to the bathroom by themselves. Dog needs to be taken every time, their whole life, however long that might be, right? Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility. So, yeah, all you parents out there with kids, that's cute. Try having dogs. Exactly. That's a real challenge. You have to brush your kids. No, I guess you probably do. I guess you you probably do. You have to go walk your kids. kids. Oh, when they become (laughs) critical thinkers, you have to like talk to them and and, and talk about their emotions. Ocean's dumb. What a waste. Right. Let's get the closing time. Closing time. It's closing time. But before we go, you know we have to give you a last call. All right, last night we saw the Nets take on the Sixers. Joel, Joel and B busted out a little DX crotch chop <laughs> at yes. one point after getting an and one. KD called it a trash Celebration. Where do you guys weigh in on that celebration? I was, I, that's back when I. What you guys asked me a few days yeah. ago if I'm a wrestling fan. I'm not now, but that's when I was a huge oh, wrestling yes. fan. So yeah, I appreciate that, and I like when it's not directed at my team. I like Joel the Troll Embiid. I like I like I like the drama that he brings. I like him playing the villain and being the bad guy. I like it. I'm with him. I'm with it. I I love it. I love that it happened. You know, here's the difference though. When Pat. Beverly is doing something, you're just like, stop it. Because you're not that good. You're not that good. You're not Joel Embiid. You can't do that. But um, so, yeah, for Joel Embiid to do that, but then for Katie to talk some trash, I'm all yeah, about I like that all drama. of it. I like yes. all of it. I'm glad KD is upset about it and 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 he he clapped back. I love the whole thing. I love I, all of it. I was like in fifth grade when DX was at its like height. And it's just crazy to think about going around my elementary school saying suck it to people. That's a awful. lot of us like, went to the so principal's office. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was a big deal. And I remember I, I went to my uncle took me to a wrestling show. I'm like, I want the DX shirt. And he wouldn't get it because it said on the back it said two words, wow. suck it. I wanted that shirt so bad. It is, but you so you were the bad kid. I was like any other kid in the late nineties watching DX. Everyone yeah. was doing it. Okay. I mean, look, sure. To this, that's when you know if something's impactful. I was in college and I was doing it. I okay. was almost a grown man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Joel Embiid, yeah. all these years later, is doing it. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. And then he put out a video afterwards. Yes. You see his video? Yeah, with the it, was, it was great. I loved it. It was awesome. All right, so Brock Purdy is a candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year. <laughs> and that probably really upsets Nick Cattles, right? But um, <laughs> did he play enough games? Did he play enough games to even be considered Offensive Rookie no. of the Year? No, I he didn't. I it's agree. an insult to those guys that played all those snaps all season long. Six games in your Man, head. I'm, I'm all on the Brock Purdy train. It's a great story, and I'm here for it. You know what I mean? But come on. That's, that's, that's a little disrespectful to all those rookies that played, like, 50 snaps for 17 weeks or whatever the case might be. No, that's crazy. Too small of a sample size. I let's agree. be honest. Because anyone can do some great things in a short amount of time, right? Like you're given half a season, everyone else's legs are all tired and fatigued while you're just 
cruising along. It's right. the, the same concept, absolutely. So Joe Burrow, 3-0 at Arrowhead. Uh-huh. And some Bengals players are referring to the stadium as Burrowhead. <laughs> Is this bad football karma <laughs> headed into the AFC Championship again, game? Again, I mean, you're giving a bulletin board material, <laughs> and I'm probably not thrilled if I'm, if I'm the Bengals coaching staff, but... As a fan sitting back and watching it, this goes back to the Joel Embiid thing. I like it. I like it. And does anyone doubt that Burrow would back it up? Like, the the guy has spent money, man. He looks like one of the best in the game. So here's my question. If it's not a good game for Joe Burrow... Then he's got to face it. I guess that's part of it when you talk smack. (laughs) No, but the thing is, he didn't say it. So now if they lose... He can be like, I didn't say it. And if they win, he'll be like, hell yeah, it's Burrowhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I did that. Change the name of the stadium. <laughs> All right. Well, what's coming up on the show today? Lots of Kings talk. We're going to dissect last night's loss. Did uh, Toronto show a model or a blueprint mm. on how to beat the Kings? Uh, we'll also talk plenty of 49ers this afternoon. So it uh, should be a fun show. Fun four hours coming up Make today. sure to check it out. Keep it locked here. Go to YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. They're active in the chat. Keep it rolling. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports.